The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. There'd be a lot of poop in my hands. <laughs> Seen a six-foot alligator go swinging through the air and slam into a tree. These guys are the scientists of the supernatural, lecturers leaving lessons for inquiring laymen. They are applying the scientific method to a world that baffles science. They are the cryptids of the corn. But who else has big black wings and red eyes? Um, Batman. Oh, Mothman. Oh, yeah, Mothman. A great white shark was stolen. Oh, someone stole a shark? I got stuff for you you don't even know about. She's a witch. She turned me into a newt. Who knows? Anything could be possible. Anything could be possible. It's really big Mm -hmm. abduction vibes. Holy moly. It sounds like you were abducted. And it just stood up. I mean, it just like kept going and going. And she goes, what the Welcome back to season four finale. We're in part three. For I am the great and powerful mystery. That sounded just like uh, Dexter's Lab. But oh, I should have. Yeah, I wasn't going for anything in particular. And who are you? Oh, I'm Cherokee <laughs> Devil J. Oh gosh! Welcome back to season four finale, part three, the monsters. So, <laughs> what were you laughing uh, at? Just that song. <laughs> oh, we're cold. We're we're freezing. It I is. Got, I got my pipes of, are actually frozen. Got a piece of felt wrapped around my legs. <laughs> I know. I'm wearing. Uh, I'm wearing a hoodie, and I'm normally very warm. I could tell the gray hair is also bringing the actual age with it, because ah. I used to be so cold hardy. You're being, you're just turning into that typical. Old... But to be fair, I was also crawling around in the basement floor huh. this morning at like <laughs> seven a.m. trying to figure out why there was no hot water. The the fun times of a home homeowner. Mm-hmm. 
Oh gosh. No, so we're gonna cover the monsters because uh, there's a. I didn't know how really else to do this for the Uinta Basin. Right. Uh, actually, before I go to that, I want to say that I want to apologize a little bit from last episode because I calmed <laughs> down a bit about the Blind Frog Ranch, and maybe I didn't get my point across very well. I do think there's some mystery there. Sure, like all the places on Uinta, there's like actual mysteries. I think the TV show is a TV show. Yeah. Yeah. And I just got a little uppity because it was there was too there's, many TV shows ruining everything with the Uinta Basin. Those poor blind frogs. <laughs> and uh, the Uinta Basin is like mostly in poverty. Yeah. And to me, it's just ridiculous that there's a couple extremely high end productions in the middle of extreme poverty, and it doesn't seem like it's affecting the community very much. Mm, Touche. In about a positive that. way. Right. Yeah. You think it would? Like yeah. Well yeah. Any sort of national attention focused on an impoverished area. Very impoverished area. And they still don't receive any benefits. That's kind of odd. Yeah, so we're going to talk about monsters, UFOs, and cancer. Mm. Isn't that an interesting thing? Wasn't ready for that last one. It's a it's a weird thing. Uh, <laughs> first thing we're going to tackle is the skinwalkers. Right, okay, the typical main yeah, guys. Yeah, and I got a little article to read about Skinwalkers by Nick Redfern. We've used his work before. Okay. Uh, we've never actually got the chance to meet Nick yet, but... Nick Redfern, huh? He's a big author and all this stuff. Uh, he's really good friends with, like, Lyle and everybody. Okay. And they normally do the same conference together. We just keep missing them. Okay. Just with the ones so we eventually we'll cross we'll, paths. We'll cross them eventually. Uh, but, yeah, he's a super he's a well-researched man. But he did an article about kind of just Skinwalkers. Uh uh, most of the articles comparing them to it's just very odd how much comparisons there actually is to true Middle Ages folklore about werewolves ah. and the Navajo traditions about skinwalkers, as far as we know. Once again, guys, remember the Utes will talk about skinwalkers more readily than the, most Navajo, than the Navajo, yeah, uh, because it is a Navajo legend. I thought you were going to say something. I was thinking, I just realized I left this from yesterday and it looks refreshing. Uh, so for centuries, Native American people, the skinwalker tales, which date back centuries, were a definitive witch, a crone-like thing with the ability to change its form, and so radically. And it's not just one specific type of beast in which the witch can change to, but multiple ones. While a shape-shifting Native American witch can take on, quite literally, hundreds of forms, they have reports of geese and bears coyotes, any type of bird, as well as one of their favorites, the wolf. Any questions so far? Wolf's top tier. I don't know, the goose? <laughs> Shapeshift into a Muscovy duck. Yeah, there you go. That would be scary. That would actually... Now, the goose thing explains a lot about Canadian geese. What? What? They're actually skinwalkers. That's why they're awful. Oh, okay. That would explain it. I do want to say, once again, uh, the term witch is not... Uh, Related to gender in this topic, you know, it can be male and female. It actually tends to be, as far as what I've seen in my research, most skinwalkers that at least get accused of being skinwalkers yeah. are mostly males. It's thinking more like witch doctor I or think, something like that. I think that's just the kind of the translated term. Right, yeah. Is like, you know, a, a, a magical person, a negative magical person. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Negative is an important term there. Because they do have shaman. Right, yeah. Which is more of the positive angle. Yeah, yeah. You don't usually associate them with being a and my evil like a witch. Like you once again, not a Native American expert. Just what I know. So yeah, the Skinwalker. 
Um, so skinwalkers, let's talk about the process to become one. Um, and Redfern did a lot of research on this. The process by which a witch is said to become a skinwalker is highly complex and one that involves several different processes. So like we've said before, it actually takes years to do to this, get this full ability. Okay. Uh, and we'll, we'll talk about Wendigos here in a minute. I hope you're not about to tell, tell like a step by step plan. Yes, I do. Oh boy! No, there's no is there's no it's the information is not out there to do this like it's fully. Not, not like and Zim this Zim is Zim all Alabim. pieced together of what yeah Zim Zim Alabim Skinwalker. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. You can tell we're cold and it's early. So okay, where was I? Now you got me all thrown off. Uh, witches are both learned and skilled in mag- magical arts of transferring themselves into a wide variety of creatures. And all of them by focusing on its image of their minds. Very often it confines uh, of their teepees. In most cases, however, the witches all secure the hides of animals in which they wish to become and wrap themselves in their shoulder and back in it. By effectively wearing the hide, the witch slowly, step by step, that comes into play. Okay. Becomes a ver- the very beast and specifically it seeks to you know, become... And so the Native American teachings maintained, including adopting of these keen senses of smell and sight and their abilities and speeds, and even complete physical form. Wow. So, as you guys will hear next episode, there is a Native American lore of these changing trackways. Yes, that's true. But that's what they're saying here, that that's, they don't, it's not an instantaneous thing. Ah, now I get the step-by-step. They, yeah, so they literally start, like, walking... And they start becoming the next thing. Right. Uh, and they can stop halfway through. Um, so, like, a lot of the Skinwalker sightings you'll hear are not fully, like, not full-blown, like, werewolves where they're, like, a gi- like giant canid, uh, but they're not people anymore. Right, yeah. You can tell, like, part human, part whatever. And I don't know why everybody always picks the wolf. I'd be a grizzly. Maybe that's just too big, though. No, because bears are on the list. They can become bears. Yeah, but... I'm like, one of the pelts are hard to come by. Yeah, there she now, those ge- geese, now, that would be pretty fun. Like a hydra geese. You, you just terrorize if you, people. If you have different skins to combine them, can you become a hybrid? Ooh, like what? Like what? A goose bear. A goose bear, yeah. Now, that would be one heck of a skinwalker, like a bear-sized goose or just like a bear body with a goose head. There you go. Pretty much that. Yeah, like that, an owl bear. That would be frightening. Uh, So... Perhaps the most sinister alleged aspect of skinwalkers is their ability to supernaturally infect people with deadly diseases and life-threatening illnesses. Strangely, no, or one or more of these few or has happened on a few occasions, and those have found themselves in direct close presence of skinwalkers in mere days succumbing to the very rare medical conditions. Hmm. Huh. So they say that they're kind of agents of pestilence as kind of a byproduct of them existing. Which would make sense because they are dealing with extremely dark arts. Right. So I wonder if in the area that the skinwalker is said to be, if there would be higher rates of horrible diseases. Oh, I, like you mentioned earlier. I wonder if that happens. Hmm. Huh. We'll talk about that later. You definitely didn't allude <laughs> to it earlier. No, no, not at all. Uh, but yeah, so they, they, hmm. they're kind of agents of pestilence. Uh, perhaps how the skinwalker can perform at such a hostile thing remains unknown. It is, however, worth noting that the skinwalker is said to have an, ex- an expert knowledge in medicine, both ancient and modern. 
uh, they kind of viewed them as the flip side of the coin to the actual shamans. Okay. Uh, or medicine people of the village. Right, yeah. So they they both have extreme healing knowledge, and the skinwalkers don't use it for good. Uh, and like it said, Native Americans avoid these guys at all costs. Right. They uh, don't sound very uh, beneficial <laughs> to be around. And it's not just people that can fall victim to this dangerous beast. Animals, especially farm animals, are often targets of skinwalker attacks. Oh, yeah. And they can be mutilated in form. Kind of like we talked about, was that last episode with yeah. the baby cow? A lot of the cows. We yes. talked about all the cows exploding last episode. I'd like to think, though, at, at some point in history out there, there was one guy that could transform into the skinwalker, but he used his power for good. Like, you know, he's just uh, friends with some, uh, I don't know, wander, some drifter. The drifter comes on by, and he turned into a shape-shifting werewolf and, like, protects him. There you go. Somewhere out there that happened. Yeah. So let's talk about how you become one. I'm going to summarize. But it's a lot of actual, like, years. As far as we know, once again, the Navajo do not talk about this process at right. all. Because uh, they fully believe that in the Navajo culture that talking about them brings them in. Uh, especially if you think somebody is a skinwalker, mm. you should never. You can kill them with their name. Just by saying it? No, there's a process. Oh, okay. But you can't let them know you know until, like, it's time. Ah, uh, okay. Because if you, they, they, it's they just can like protect your ears are burning, you know, when somebody's talking about your nose itches. Yeah. It's like that, but on scale 11. Uh, but no, so it's actually a couple year process, at least as far as we can tell. And it's more and more heinous stuff. Uh, everything from blood rituals. To a lot of, uh, even just collecting of rare materials for uh, witchcraft things. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to use the term witchcrafters because that's the best term I have for it. Okay. Uh, but to, in the process of becoming a skinwalker. But you said blood rituals? Yes. All right. Never mind. There goes that theory of that one being good. No, no. It takes, there's, you've got to do a lot. <sighs> and depending on who you're talking to, the final act to finally take on this other spirit, because that's what you're doing. You're taking on a spirit. Oh, to gosh. become the skinwalker. Yeah. And uh, is normally the the death, the murdering of a loved one in a ritual. Yeah, that theory is completely out the window. Uh, most people agree it's either mothers or children. Oh, my gosh. Okay. It can be a sibling. Uh, but most people almost always talk about it being a mom or a child. It's got to be a tr like a true form of love. Probably the two worst examples. Um, and there's even... Some of these in, in like the further out west, there has been several savage bear attacks of mm. like them coming into whole villages. They got blamed on skinwalkers. Well, if they can shape shift into bears, mm -hmm. or a bear with rabies, oh, or that too, or cocaine bear. Oh gosh, cocaine bear. Did he drop near? Huh? Did he drop near wherever that happened? No, that was Tennessee. Oh, okay, Kentucky. Okay, never mind. All right. So do you have? Uh, before I move on, do you have any questions? Kind, of, I know that was a, a brief overview because a lot of the thing I seen was a lot of hearsay. Right, yeah. Because the Navajo don't talk about it. The Utes talk about it a little bit, but nothing ever but extreme not, into depth. It, yeah, it's not, it's not their, their legend. It's not their story to tell. They were, they were the ones dealing with the skinwalkers. Yeah, they, which has hold some merit, but... Yeah. Hmm. No, I mean, it's a it, quick overview, but yes. So this whole taking on a spirit by doing a heinous act... Yes. We've said it before in the show, and we'll say it again. 
I personally believe it's the same spirit that the Algonquins talk about becoming a Wendigo. Mm-hmm. When you look at it, the Wendigos are, you know, the antlered thing is a more modernized thing from movies. Right. But they are very gaunt, animal-like, skeletal-like. Uh, and a lot of the skinwalkers in their halfway form are like that. Yeah. A uh, very pale crawler-esque, you know, where they elongate. They, you know, their bodies are in a constant change of, or state of change. So, in my opinion, what's happening is when you become a Wendigo, it's out of desperation. Mm. The, depending on what Algonquin tribe you're talking about, there are a little bit of different nuances, uh, like incest and stuff, to become a Wendigo. 99% of the time, it's cannibalism. Yeah. It's the act of killing somebody, and it's almost always in winter, and it's you know because of the starvation effect in winter. Mm-hmm. And generally, you're not hanging out with anybody that's not your family member. Yeah, I'd say so. In the harsh, harsh, harsh winter. Yeah, back so especially back. It's in almost whenever. always a cannibalization of a of a close loved one, hmm. just like the killing of a close loved one. Right. I wonder if it's like the same phenomena, like same ritual, but just different. Here's what I nuts think. and bolts, basically. Yeah, I think you're right in a way. I think what's happening is the the spirit is taking control because they did it. They didn't do it in a ritual form. They just killed somebody to eat them because yeah. they were starving to death. But it's still the heinous act. Mm-hmm. It's still the quote unquote payment. And then the spirit still comes and latches on. Yeah. But with the Wendigo, the spirit's in much more control. Because you didn't right. do the ritual to control it. Yeah. You, you just, just let the you act. Just, you just opened the door. Yeah. So that's why Wendigos are so much more erratic. When you talk about, when, when we did our Wendigo episode a long time ago, some of the encounters, they were super erratic in behavior, not making a lot of sense. Very animalistic, still intelligent, still yeah. very smart hunters. But they had these moments, and even the one where, you know, I can't remember if it was the dad or the grandpa had went missing, and it ended up being her grandpa that was the Wendigo, and she said his name, and he stopped for a second, and she got away. I think I remember that a little bit. I mean, that was a year and a half ago. Yeah. But, yeah. So there seems to be, as far as the Wendigos, there's still the person inside trying to pull back. Yeah. They can't. With the Skinwalker, it's a hyper-specialized ritual that takes years to get to the final point mm-hmm. with a hyper-specialized ritual at the end do, in my opinion, have full control over this spirit. The spirit and power. Yeah. So they can shapeshift when they want to. They can change back when they want to. They have control in their animal form. That's why skinwalkers do some scary but odd things, like the smoking the cigarette thing like we talked about right, last time. Yeah. Like that was there to screw with somebody. Like you wouldn't see a window doing that because there's just they're much more right, yeah. animalistic. No. So what you're saying, windows, windigos aren't don't look as cool. No, I think windigos are much more scarier. <laughs> no, I just meant little uh, skinwalker, like you know, lean back and smell and just puffing oh, a cigarette, like just looks with cool. Joe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I have some windigo sightings. We'll go into, and we have plenty of other monsters, but you know, the windigo or not the windigo, the skinwalker <laughs> is the big one everybody wants to hear about. So I have a whole bunch of them for you. We'll just go through them and see what you think. All right. And like I said, I have no way of proving any of these stories are real. It's just a bunch of them that people said they had encounters in the area with them. Well, let's hopefully we don't believe everything we hear. Uh, For those who don't know, the Uintas are a national forest about two hours east of Salt Lake City. I'll start with the first and most mild experience. I went up with a group of friends to spend the weekend rock climbing and fishing, and they're talking about the Uinta Mountains. Yeah. Uh, The event happened on the first evening. As we, were drink, or as we were driving back to our campsite, my buddy suggested that we check the community arts project in the uh, Fairy Garden. Located in the massive river drainage system, the drainage created tons of perfectly polished spherical rocks. 
Yet the place had been around long enough to have small trees that started to grow up. People would come over and paint and decorate the rocks. The whole place was pretty weird vibe when we went in there. It felt very maze-like. Ooh. My friend and I decided to see how long the place stretched on. So we began to hike in one direction. The whole place was huge. We must have walked a mile. We were still seeing these rocks, and people had painted and put them out. The trees looked much weirder at this point, though. They were all very thin and angular and almost a perfect grid pattern. And I realized that my friend was wandering off from me. So I began to call out his name. I began to hear somebody calling my name from behind me. But it sounded too distant to allow me to tell or to allow me to tell if it was my friend or not. I turned and began walking towards that sound when I heard somebody running up from behind me again. Oh gosh. It was my friend who had heard me calling and ran over. I was pretty freaked out, but I still think that this could have been the work or this could have been me working myself up because I was in the woods. Well, so that's yeah. kind of their first encounter. Oh, this per- individual has multiple? Yes. Oh, okay, okay. Okay. Uh, very, and once again, you know, we just talked about the Wendigo, very Wendigo-esque. Yeah, especially the the luring aspect to it. If that was whatever, the skinwalk, if that was it calling his name. Yeah. But also we've heard Sasquatch doing that, which we'll right, get to yeah. later, which we went to mountains, in my opinion, would probably be one of the best Sasquatch places to go to and look. And as far as I know, there's not tons of Sasquatch research there, mm. probably because everybody dies. Yeah, that's a good... Good uh, observation there. <laughs> you go out and you see a Bigfoot, and then there's a roar, and the Bigfoot just takes off the other way. Yeah, and you turn around, there's a, a, a bear with a goose head chasing you down. There you go. Uh, yeah, so very, you know, you know, very weird. I got to get, I got to find my spot. And those, we got those uh, pe- people painting those spherical rocks around here. They do that too. Yeah, the Walpock rocks. Yeah. I just, I, I have them on Facebook. And I just seen one of her rocks found in Florida. Oh, nice! Uh, shout out to uh, the Wapak Rock Lady. Yeah, she's she's awesome. Uh, we have we have several of her rocks over there on the shelf that her daughter gave us. That's right. How Bigfoot conference? Sorry, I'm still trying to find my place. I should have spaced him out. Talk for a minute. Okay. Well, that was so. That was I didn't. I don't remember you saying his name, but that was his first encounter. Okay, I got it. The second experience oh. supports a more obvious and malevolent presence. The second day we were fishing after a day of climbing, and I'm not getting any luck, so I decided to take a loop around the lake with my dog. I get to the other side of the lake, where the land becomes steeper and has some cliffs and boulders around it. My dog freezes, turns and looks up the hill, and starts whining. What do we always say? Trust dogs. Mm -hmm. My initial guess was it has to be a bear. So I told my dog to sit and began to hike up the hill. First off, towards the thing, towards the bear. Yeah, he thinks it's a bear. Uh, let's go check. Yeah, this could be a deadly animal, like a bear. Is this Joel? You stay right here. I'll be right back. Is this Joel? <laughs> Maybe. I'll go wrestle it. Yeah. So my initial guess was a bear. I reached the cliff in a very with very easy staircase like features on it and scrambled over to see what it was above. I was in a boulder field, which. Missing four on one, Boulder Fields. I don't know what it is with them. A lot of people go missing in Boulder Fields. Really, like tons. It's one of their granite Boulder Fields is literally one of his top things. Huh. 
we'll do a whole thing on that one day. So he scrambled over to see what it was. Uh, and, but it had very cool rock features and stuff. I began to look around and I determined whatever had spooked my dog wasn't nearby. I noticed what looked like a dark figure behind a tree about 30 feet ahead of me. And I, and I quickly freaked out and turned back to, uh, to see my friends. As I was cl- down climbing the section I had climbed up, I began to hear my name being called again, very distant, but not by an obvious f- male or female. Suddenly, a big rock I was holding onto rips off the wall, sending me a good three foot, uh, football fields and rolling down, t- uh, rolling down uh, rolled me about 10 feet down the hill. Besides scrapes and bruises, I was okay, so I quickly got up and continued on. I heard my name being called again. This time, this sounded much louder, and I could feel anger and hostility in the voice. Yeah, that's not good. No. The voice stopped promptly when I got back to my friends. The dog was on the edge and jumping for the, jumpy for the rest of the trip, and then that was what really made me wonder what was going on, since my dog had usually never scared of things like that. I definitely think there was some weird stuff going on in the mountains. I know there are some pretty good explanations for what I've experienced, but I just felt it was very wrong to me. The fact that whatever entity was out there had caused me to fall while climbing, and it was—it must have been a very dangerous spirit. The Utah granite is a pretty dang strong, even an untouchable rock wouldn't split off like the way it did. Hmm. So he's saying the rock itself broke. It's like it got pushed off, and then it was a small landslide. Yeah. And he's saying that's as a rock climber, that's very weird for you went to grant granite basin like that to break apart. Yeah. It's hmm. not you know it's not a weak rock. I bet still it could could happen. Sure. I don't know. I'm not a yeah. geologist. I'm just saying that's what as he said as a rock climber. Right, yeah. What he felt. What is he insinuating that there was like a figure? Let's just say it was Bigfoot for this case. Going like na 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 with the mind power and that made the rock slide from him. I think sure. it sounds like what he's suggesting. Sure. Uh, next one's from Navajo Joe. Oh, which would make sense. Uh, but no, yeah, it's Wait, very what? odd. Why would that make sense? Skinwalkers are Navajo. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> I don't know. It just next one's Navajo Joe, which makes sense. Like, I don't know. You gotta calm down, bud. Oh, it was funny. Makes sense. Calm down. <sighs> Fine. What? Don't steal my joy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're so cold. It's it's cold, but this felt. I'm telling you, it's nice. Yeah, it's because it's full of radioactive particles. <laughs> what? What do you mean radioactive particles? That's how they color it green. Oh, okay. Well, the it, like uranium glass. It works good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I might have to get some felt pants after this. <laughs> but no, it's very uh, very Wendigo-esque, you know, this name. But it's a lot of skinwalkers get this thing, too, where they start calling people's names and luring them away. Yeah. Uh, it's just very odd. You went to Basin. If you watch any of the TV shows, I try not to pick any of the ones from the TV shows. Not like Skinwalker Ranch or nothing. Yeah. But there's been like The Unexplained Files. Monsters Among Us did a cool thing with the skinwalkers out there. Um, there's a really cool one with the... Little like two girls that had a skinwalker trying to get in their house, uh, and why their dad was coming home. Oh gosh, yeah, that's like nightmare stuff. Especially nothing scary, you know. No, when you're a kid and just knowing, like, yeah, mom and dad's coming home soon, but they're not there yet, and something scary happens. 
you know, like you hear the a door shut or something. I don't know. No, it's like, very frightening. There's like a dog trying to get in their house. <sighs> yeah, it was talking in a ancient talk- dead languages. Okay, yeah, no thanks. <laughs> Lock myself in the in the bathroom closet. Just remember, wink. Yeah, the winking seal. That's the best comment ever we ever got. All right, so I, Navajo Joe says I was a kid when this has happened. My uncle and I were fishing, chopping up fire. We were out fish or finishing up chopping up firewood. If I could read, dear Lord. Uh, for my grandmother, because it was getting dark, driving back on a dirt road about 30 miles an hour, I had an awful sense we were being watched. Before I could turn and look out my window, passenger side, my uncle quickly shouted, Don't. I completely froze. My heart felt like it was beating out of my chest, or it completely stopped when I heard the tap, tap, tap on my window. My uncle sped up and was loudly praying in our native language. I don't know what was going on and thought what is our thought was till over our truck suddenly dipped from the bed. My uncle started saying, "Look at me and don't turn away." over and over again. Then I heard it again. Tap, tap, tap on the window behind me. It was getting harder for me to breathe. I wanted to scream out and cry. A minute or two passed and the truck dipped again. My uncle looked around inside. It was quiet beside the truck in the road. He looked at me and said, Well, or we will ask your father to do a prayer in the morning so the evil forgets our faces. He said this is basically the rough Navajo to English translation. Okay. I remember curling up in my seat. And started stare and staring at the radio, watching the time, listening to my uncle sing an old prayer till we got to my grandmother's house. I called my uncle because I had a nightmare about about that night. We talked for a little bit. He said, "I didn't see faces, just eyes, like brake lights you see on the road. Mm. It watched you." And he's once again Navajo to English translation. Before hanging up, I tried to joke joking with him about. Why didn't you step on the brake when it was in the back? No laugh, just pause. Because it wasn't alone. Mm. What's that mean? There was other ones around. Oh. It wasn't just the one in the tr- so, like. So if he had stopped. So it was tapping on the window trying to get the kid to look at it. Yeah. And there's this whole thing with, and this one's again very hearsay, Navajo lore. Okay. Because uh, Navajo are very are reluctant people to share their folklore. Okay. For reasons we talked about in episode one. Right. Uh, Understandable. Yeah. Uh, but the thing with faces, like, if you, like, the skinwalker has to see your face or get your name to okay. fully get you. Okay. So that's why I was trying to get the kid to look at him. Gotcha. And the, the uncle was like, don't look, don't look. And so very, I don't know, what do you think? Uh, I mean, that would be a pretty scary story for a little kid to experience. But um, I guess I didn't know. I I, I didn't know about the needing to look at your face or something. What's that like? It's stealing your. I don't know. Or is that like an invite in if you look at it or something? I don't know. And it has again Navajo. Don't right. Don't share a whole lot of details for reasons. But gosh, yeah, it's scary. Um, and but the brake lights, so it means it has red eyes, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, no, no, thank you. Kind of Mothman-esque, too. Yeah, I guess so. Chasing the car, flying, but not flying. True. 
tapping on the. Did they tap on the glass? Don't look into the red eyes. Now that was really shared with the Mothman. What? Don't look into the red they, eyes. Yeah, they always said that. Don't look into the red eyes because they'll hypnotize you. Ah, well, maybe that's what. And they're there doing. are skin changers, which is essentially the same legend as skinwalkers in some parts of Southern Appalachia. Hmm. Overlap. You know, the same thing like we just talked about with the Algonquins and the, the Wendigo. You know, it's a bunch of tribes have very similar, similar legends, which right. points to much more uh, backbone to the lore. Ah. Uh, yeah. So any questions? Or I'll move on. No, let's get the next one. Don't Get Off the Bus by Iron Jesus. Iron Jesus, huh? <laughs> it sounds like a rock band. It does, yeah. Uh, anybody been on the Navajo Reservation has either probably heard of some creepy things or maybe even experienced some creepy things, namely skinwalkers. I have seen one, and here's my story. So he was in, uh, he's a, uh, a Paiute, but he's from northern Arizona, so I, I still included it because we didn't have a lot of Paiute things. Okay. Because Paiutes are also very present with the Shoshone there in the Uinta Basin. Mm-hmm. But I don't, it's all Ute and Navajo stuff I could find. Are they, are they closely related to the Utes? The Paiutes, yeah. yeah. They were, uh, remember episode one? They were a branch off tribe a long time oh, ago. Okay. Now they're their own tribe, uh, you know. But yes, they have similar starts okay. to the Utes. I come from a small town in northern Arizona that is sandwiched between the Paiute Reservation uh, to the north and the U.S.'s largest Navajo reservation to the south. My high school being a small one, uh, a 1A high school, an average of about 80 students enrolled every year, always had to travel south about 5 to 10 hours one way to play another high school in any sport. That sucks. Yeah, it does. This means that we traveled a lot from the Navajo Res, and we, we are, and we also usually stayed in hotels, and we would hand, you know, hand out to play and come home in the morning. But the trips were a little, this trip was a little bit different. I remember my basketball coach saying that the school didn't have enough money to put on or put up the team in a hotel that trip. So we're just going to go on the road for the total of 12 hours. Oh, that sounds awful. Yeah. I mean, I could sleep on it. It depends on its school. You think it's a school bus? It probably, I don't think this uh, in the middle of nowhere in the desert school is going to have like a, you know, a, a nice charter bus, charter tour bus type thing. Or could just the corn tour bus. Exactly. I mean, that's what the bus did in a previous life. <laughs> well, yeah. Fighting skinwalkers. But I don't think housing a basketball team is probably not on that list. So I was the only, uh, sorry, I was laughing. I was the only male senior that played basketball this season. We had <laughs> just got done playing our game and headed home, and our bus was called Big Blue. Ah. So we were heading out, and it wasn't long, about two hours of the drive before we had entered the res. But this time, everyone was asleep, with it being about two in the morning. When we crossed the red border, I noticed a, the bus driver had sped up and was now going well over 85 miles an hour. All right. I thought this was a little weird because he never he never exceeded the speed limit before, and at least not in my high school career. For some reason, I couldn't fall asleep like the rest of my teammates. I just sat there in the back of the bus, fully awake, staring across the desolate desert landscape, until uh, and then our, that was lit up by the full moon. As I looked out, I could see a figure running towards the bus at an angle of pursuit. It was keeping up with the bus at 85 miles an hour. As the figure got closer, I saw that it was very humanoid. As a matter of fact, it looked almost exactly like a human. Only the face was painted half black and half white, 
with glowing red eyes. The glowing eyes, like a rabbit's eyes, reflecting light from a spotlight. I immediately thought, holy crap, it's a skinwalker. The skinwalker ran up to the edge of the road and just kept up pace with the bus hauling or hurling sage bus and rocks at us while, or at me while I was staring at it. After I made eye contact with the thing, I could not look away. I was oh, locked in. Gosh. Mm-hmm. As if it was something was holding my head and my eyes in place. The skinwalker just smiled at me with this inhuman smile ear to ear. Slowly crooked, yellow pointed teeth everywhere. I felt like it was go- I was going to throw up and I was panicking through the whole ordeal. The skinwalker started to crumple down on all fours. It's still keeping up with the bus though. I could see his bones cracking, bending, breaking, and reforming under his skin and hair. And his hate and more hatred appear all over his body. Three seconds away now, he was a coyote and ran back off into the desert view. As soon as he was there, he was gone. I ran to the onboard bathroom, puked a mixture of food and blood. Ugh. I didn't want to tell anyone from fear of what they would think I was crazy. I confided in my Navajo friend. She told me what I needed to do was see the chief, who also happened to be a friend of mine. And I got his blessing. I saw I saw the, him the next day at school in the parking lot. He just came up to me, mumbled something in Navajo while waving what appeared to be a feather scepter thing over and around me, and got into his truck and drove away. To this day, I haven't seen another skinwalker. That might be due to the fact that I moved far away from the town and the res, huh. and I don't go south anymore or any way around there. Yeah, probably just because of this, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Now, that, that would be... F- Gosh, imagine seeing that in the middle. Two in the morning, this figure, like, sprinting up to your bus and then just keeping pace with it. Oh, I wouldn't even know what to think, but, yeah, that's frightening. But, the okay, so red eyes, crooked yellow teeth. That sounds like a, why does that sound like it gives me deja vu? Indrid. Indrid cold. You, the smiling man. Yeah, but his teeth weren't all... Like jagged Not the yellow. Original Indrid. I think whatever the smiling man is, because Indrid kind of gets thrown into that. Yeah. In my personal opinion, it's not the same thing. I agree. I agree. Uh, so the it, smiling man though had some crooked teeth. It reminds me of that the dude from uh uh Courage a Cowardly Dog. Yes. Gary Busey lookalike. Yeah, that guy. <gasps> he just seen Gary Busey. Oh, that's all it was. Gary Busey. I've seen him run like that all the time. <laughs> I mean he did that. Any all- human could do it. Could be a skinwalker. It'd be Gary Busey. He, yeah, I think he is one. I think it's, it's he's it's he's one of those aliens from Men in Black. I think, wearing like you know, I need a sugar water. Oh, but remember what Men in Black taught us. Sometimes it's not the obvious one. Oh shoot! Yeah, I guess you're right. Well, he is an obvious one. Him and Willem Dafoe. I think they're both one, but could be wrong. Either that or they're just both amazing actors, and they act like crazy people. Act insane. All right. Yeah, that would be frightening. And it turns into a coyote and just runs right back off. So mm-hmm. what did it do to him? Now, I think this whole thing, a lot of it is, and we talked about it with even biblical demons and such, uh, this whole creating fear to gain power. Oh, yeah, maybe that's it. Because skinwalkers are killable. They yeah. are. There are things, I mean, we don't know them very well, but there are things to do against them. Like the chieftain immediately had a prayer ready yeah. to roll that uh, supposedly broke the curse. Uh, from Def- the Skinwalker. Defended them. And the Navajo people definitely know how to protect themselves from the Skinwalkers. Yeah. They have legends and lore. They have traditions to do. So 
in my opinion, it's all about fear. It's just about creating and, pepper, and perpetrating more and more fear, especially in the younger people. Yeah. If you notice these stories have all been younger people. Right. And they'll continue to, a bunch of them will still be younger people. Hmm. I think that's on purpose. I agree. Because if you get them when they're young and they're constantly scared of this thing. Yep. Now the Ute tribe doesn't have anything against it. Like they have no protection against Skinwalker. Hmm. Not their legend. Not their, yeah, well, yeah, not their monster. Right. Yeah, exactly. Can you imagine being at war with these people and then all of a sudden they turn out werewolves? <laughs> I just turned in my bow and arrow right now. Oh, yep. Take what you want. Yep, this is my lodge. Go ahead and have it. There's a good fishing spot over there. All right. Uh, this is by Bob Hormans. Convinced I saw a skinwalker. As many of you might already know, many Navajo legends or many Navajo people, including my own family, are very reluctant to ever speak about skinwalkers because we believe this attracts their attention. While I ever grew up on the Navajo Nation, it was very, uh, sorry, however, I grew up away from the Navajo Nation and was very naive about the subject. So this is a young Navajo uh, man that grew up from, away from it and came back. Right. So when it came to skinwalkers, I was the absolute skeptic. My mom used to tell us stories of how back in the 80s when she lived with her siblings and her grandmother, still in Shiprock, or the southern outskirts about how she and my aunt saw a skinwalker just outside their driveway under the streetlight. She described it as a big black dog with dirty or rotting fur, a twisted noodle-like front leg, and unnatural eyes with soft burnt orange glow. Excuse me, man. Me being my own closed-minded, self-doubted every word, but I never said or my doubts out loud. Mm-hmm. So already that monster his mom had seen yeah. sounds like the one from Skinwalker Ranch. Yeah. The first the big dog. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, the rotting fur is a weird thing to me. And I've seen one person say, and this is once again a lot of hearsay, because mm-hmm. we don't know. One person say they have to keep refreshing their pelts because they can go bad. Ah. So I wonder if that's something to do with it. The with wolf, the rotting fur. The the wolf pelt is in its natural state going bad. So when you transform into it. It's rotting. Gotcha. I, but I don't know. I just, I thought. Good theory. But these doubts totally changed last year when I was at my grandmother's house late October. Me and my family had just finished scouring the caravan at the Navajo Nation, National Fair and called it a night. This house was close enough that we could walk there in just about 10 minutes. So we did. When we got there, it was about nine at night where we stayed up until about two catching up with family. Uh, talking about family affairs and local news and such. It was during the time that I decided to open my mouth and blurt out the question, hey, are skinwalkers real? Guys, guys, I asked. And they said, "I, er, you shouldn't speak about that, my grandmother said with almost a yell in her voice. So she and my grandfather both decided to go to bed. After being uh, scolded by my mother, one of my aunts chimed in at the very continuous to our cautious tone and says, they're real. All right. Had a few start screaming outside of my trailer in Freemington just a few nights ago. Your cousin had a nightmare the whole night, woke up crying in the morning, not wanting to push this discomfort any further. We all decided to go to bed. Now the trailer home is pretty cool, but it was really nice. It was a really nice night. So we slept with the window open. Oh no. But it had a screen in to prevent bugs from coming in. Okay, it was safe. 
Yes, the screen is safe. Yep. As a child, we would put our hand through it. Dad would scream, and we never knew why. Because of skinwalkers. Not because we were destroying the house. No, not that at all. Skinwalkers. Everyone had uh, drifted off to sleep except me. Because in my mind, I was going a million, million miles a second about skinwalkers, wondering if I could encounter one while we're here on the reservation. As a kid, I was told it was taboo to think about skinwalkers because they can still get their attention. Right. Talking about them. And that's when the total crap moment hit the fan. Here we go. Yeah. What do you think happens? I'm just curious. It, uh, burst, it busts the screen open. That'd be my guess. Just fully bust the screen open? Yeah, just a hand comes ripping through. Just as I was sitting and finally getting relaxed enough for sleep, I started to hear something moving outside. I got up from the couch and started to wander over to the kitchen window. And in the trailer, all the rooms have lights out, so just only a visible light that can be seen is from the porch light outside. Mm. I was thankful for this because I told myself if it really was a skinwalker walking outside, then hopefully it wouldn't notice or see me walking around. So I mustered up the courage to take a quick scan of the outside. Uh, from the porch light, all I could see was the dusty ground and the vehicles my family drove along with some old metal trash cans that stood outside beside the road. Looking for a good five seconds, I wasn't able to see anything. I was getting ready to turn around and walk back into bed, and it was just going and just assume it was a stray cat or something. Only have taken two steps, I hear what sounds like a distorted scream coming from outside, definitely close by. Fear rising, I look outside again and I see it. A coyote-like figure was staring at me. From behind the cars, just outside of reach of the porch light. Only it looked awfully wrong. It gave off an evil vibe just from seeing it. It was gray with very disheveled hair, horrific orange eyes with a soft glow. I noped the hell out of there and ran back to the bedroom. Smart man. <laughs> it was at this moment I had begun to also notice an awful stench in the air that smelled like rotting meat. Oh, I started to try to wake up my mom, who was there, you know, screaming at her, and she started screaming at me. It was almost 3 a.m. What are you doing? I immediately began in a shaking voice. There's something scary outside. And she said, now annoyed because I woke her up, uh, it's probably a stray animal or something. It's a res. Animals wander all the time at night. She obviously wasn't getting my drift, so I started screaming at her face. There's some Blair Witch Project blank going on outside, Mom. <laughs> That should get her attention. Uh, and then she screams, what? What the hell are you talking about, she says. And then we heard it. The thing outside started making more of its dreadful like screams and started to sound like it was thrashing around outside on the ground. Hear that? That's what I'm talking about. She. So both her <laughs> and I got back up to look outside the window, and the kind of like thing <clears throat> was making its way towards the door. It walked on an odd limp, dragging its back legs behind it as if it was handicapped. We could hear it started to scratch against the door, making its odd, muffling, moaning sounds. My mom went to get my dad, and they both started shouting in Navajo, all the words telling the thing to go away and saying it's not welcome here. When this was all, communication was enough to get the rest of the trailer up. They came to the hallway. The only thing my mom did was turn and scream at them, Skinwalker. She proceeded to point at the door, Noise is still happening. Apparently, they already all knew exactly what to do. My grandfather got the handgun from the drawer and a bag of ashes. 
Oh. He coated a few bullets and loaded them into the gun and went straight to the door, yelling out Navajo that was too fast for me to ever comprehend. He swung open the door, fired twice at the thing, nothing. The thing managed to escape before my grandfather could even put a bullet in it. Then it was the fastest thing I've ever seen. Then uh, said my grandpa, that my grandpa, next thing, you know, my aunt, my parents, and everybody was freaking out about what just happened. Just saying stuff like, what if it comes back tomorrow? It's solace. Does that mean we're targets now? Afterwards, my grandpa calmed everybody down, including myself, saying we would be fine. We all went to bed around three-ish. Morning comes, and my grandpa calls the neighbors and explains what happened. Apparently, one of them was a medicine man who used to partake in Yee cheese mm. Navajo ceremonies used for healing and curing sickness and curses. Okay, I thought so. Like, what'd you call me? That's it's. I'm glad he put what it is behind it. Right. Yeah, I guess we would have never known. Yeah, it's a very odd spelling, and came across to bless the family members in the ground, and they never, and as far as they know, they never this guy that's going to come back. So what do you think of that one? Um, that one was pretty intense, and um, I guess the moral of that story is careful what you wish for. Yeah. <laughs> he, well, he wouldn't do but it. But falls into a lot of the folklore oh. as far as we can piece together. I see he's his... talked about skinwalkers and what one showed up. Exactly, yeah. Uh, but this, it was twisting and like thrashing around outside. Its yeah. body was like all mangled, mashed together. Kind of like sounded like that. And his grandpa knew stuff. I'd love to talk to his grandpa. What do you mean? I don't know what those ashes were. Yeah, he knew something. Immediately throwing ashes on bullets. Yeah, I mean, slams the door open. Yeah, had to have That's a hell of a grandpa. Oh, yeah. It just sounds like an old timer. Everybody like, out there screaming, praying. It's scratching at the door. Kicks the door open. Has <laughs> some kind of holy bullet ready to go. <laughs> And Skinwalker knew it was bad news because it took off. Oh, yeah. You can't show fear. You got to be the fear. That's, a, that's the other moral of the story. Be the fear. Don't let the fear get you. So, yeah. It's and like then when, the, the, the family's obviously worried about their faces. Right, yeah. That's another note that comes across again. Uh, it's just And the, a bunch of this, I think, from other research, just pieced together through hearsay, hmm. kind of the, the lore. I was just thinking, though, if you want to go out and actually hunt Skinwalker, so you need... Ashes. Now we know that. I don't know what kind of ashes, though. Uh, probably uh, old relatives. Ashes. But I don't know if it's that or some type of tree. <laughs> oh, okay. You know, like a holy a holy relic tree or something like that. Uh, no, you just need lye. Isn't that in it? Wood ash? Lye? I have no idea. Something like that. Whatever that compound is in wood ash. You need that. I get lye and lime mixed up a lot. Okay. Yeah, only it's lime, I don't think. But you need that. You need a ski mask because obviously. And then it can't see your face. And you're pretty much bulletproof. You can go anywhere you want out there. And then you can take them out. I hope Joel doesn't listen to this episode. <laughs> then, He'll be out there with a painted face screaming about skinwalkers. <laughs> one half painted black, one half painted white, just mm-hmm. like the other one. Mm-hmm. Paint, paint your eyelids red. Yeah. <laughs> I got one more for you. That might be my Halloween costume this year. I got one more for you, and then we'll play a little video. It's really creepy. Okay. And it's the audio that's creepy, and I'll explain it. Or do you want me to just skip ahead and do that one? What, the audio? Mm-hmm. Okay, let's do that. Okay, we'll be right back. And we're back. I know it was no time passed for you guys, but it was a couple minutes for us. Like so, a couple hours. A couple hours, here we go. So this video has made its way around a lot. I've seen it several years ago for the first, like the first poster. Okay. So this guy was having troubles on his ranch, and I can't substantiate any of this. This guy was having troubles on his ranch saying that he had 
something that was like a pale crawler, skinwalker type entity. And he was setting up trail cameras. He was actively setting up trail cameras at this time that this encounter happened. Okay. And this will be hard for everybody at home because it's, you know, it's obviously visual. I'll make sure I try to put the link in for the episode. Uh, but for me, it's the horse's reaction that really sells it. Cause you can, you can edit in anything and a human can act with anything. This horse freaks out. Ah, wow, you train horses. Now I want you to watch the reins of the horse. Um, okay. I was just kidding by the I way. I don't know, but I'm saying, <laughs> cause that's what somebody said. He jerked back on the reins to make the horse panic. Ah, uh, okay. And he did not. Okay. But on a lot of horses in my life. And they can, it's a good horse, especially out here on these ranches. Yeah. It's very hard. It's very rare for them to panic like this. Okay. Because, I mean, they're work animals. Right, yeah. Yeah, they're not just like your typical trail riding horses. Ready? They're, yep. Just coming in from planting those trail cameras. There's vultures everywhere. It's odd. That was weird. So we'll explain everybody what happened. All right. So that's the whole video? Yeah. Oh, so there's no visual actually seeing anything? No. Okay, no. so pretty much, okay. So you don't need the full video to no. understand what's going no, on here. No, so, but basically he's walking his horse back. He's planting these trail cameras because he's had all kinds of problems on his on his ranch with what he he's not sure if it's people he's not sure if it's things just he knows what things. locals yeah. uh, talked about and then he the whole the first one goes hey which he had said he had heard his wife talking in the forest a couple days before sound like a woman the second horse the second it came out the horse froze yeah frozen looked over and it was already kind of looking over there like yeah. there was something over there. And then the second he did it, the second time, a horse yanked back and ran straight to the uh, straight to the stables. Yeah, it was going into the barn. You are not getting that horse out of the barn the rest of the day. Okay, yeah, turn the opposite way. You know and, what kind of reminds me of? Huh. Uh, Red Dead Redemption Two. Yeah. Like that video specifically. You're just riding your horse, and someone's like, "Hey, hey, Mister!" Oh, yeah. And you go over to help them, and then they just like try to murder and rob you. So with me, if you watch the horse's reins on the side of its face yeah. and its neck. He's, and they never get yanked on. They never no. get pulled back. Yeah. Because somebody said he yanked on it to make it turn around like that 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 quick. Yeah. And it never did. Uh, so to me, it's money. And there's tons. You can find tons and tons of videos of people saying they encountered skinwalkers and mm -hmm. whatever. Man, yeah, that would that was cr creepy. The horse sells this one for me. Yeah. It's like that one uh, Bigfoot video where uh, that dog goes running out. You know, you ever seen that one where they open the back door? That's like people having a party. It looks like they're filming a Christmas party or something. And then they like pan across the living room and across the windows. And he's like, the guy thinks he sees something outside. So he's filming outside of his window. And you see behind the garage, like this big dark figure kind of walk by. And they, so he opens the back door to get a better look at it. And the dog just takes off. You ever seen that video? Mm -mm. I, I bet you have, but a dog, like their little pet, you know, house dog. Goes running straight out the back door, like barking at this thing. He gets just out of view of the camera and then comes like screaming back with like, you know, like, yep, 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 with his uh, butt, you know, close to the ground, but running all the way straight back to the house. And it, but that's, you can't like, 
fake that unless it's a very well-trained animal. You're just ready for the camera. Hmm. But, yeah, I don't know. So, before we move on off of skinwalkers, uh, I think they're a very real thing out there. For sure. I think they... When we get to the last episode in this whole series will be what we think is causing the Uinta Basin phenomena. I don't know if they're the cause, the symptom, or an extra. Okay. Hmm. But they're bad. Yeah, they don't seem very positive. They're bad news bears. Yeah. So we'll take our little ad break, and then we'll be back. How's your coffee? Um, that's delicious. that little fine ad that we have no idea what it is and yeah there's even one there yeah now we already kind of talked about the nids catamulation their necropsy they had done um but there's been a lot of mutilations i have a little bit here more about some extra mutilations this one was very probably the hardest thing or one of the hardest things for me to research in the basin i talked to a lot of patreon members about it they give me some names and the Skinwalker Ranch TV show has ruined this topic because they had design. one cattle mutilation in the whole five years they've been out there. Yeah. When the Shermans owned it, they had cows exploding left and right. <laughs> exploding. Basically. I just, uh, I don't know why I'm just picturing looking out in the backyard and you see your passion. Boom. Cows yeah. <laughs> Boom. Well, the one. The, Dang it. Another one. The one NIDS research, the heart was, you know, exploding. It's shredded. Yeah. Yeah. What if it's just a, like a particle gun that they're figuring out how it works? It's, the government's sitting it, on the testing, ridges. Yeah. Boom. Sniper. Oh, that one didn't blow up. And then they do the autopsy like, oh. Oh, just the heart did. It's microwave and the skill slipped out. <laughs> yeah. Too hyper-focused. All right. So, yeah, like we already talked about NIDS. Uh, but animulations have been reported nationwide and worldwide since the 1960s. Reports have been, and they, they're much, when we did our catamulations episode, they're much. They, it happened before the 1960s. Yep. It's just what. If you haven't listened to that episode, go back. One of our best, as far as uh, downloads. Yeah. As far as you it's know, pretty good one. Uh, our best two are the Denver International Airports, as far as downloads. Oh wow! All right. It's just weird for a cryptid show. Yeah, it is. But it's because I found out what was actually happening. Some things. Good. Yep. If you haven't listened to that one. But reports became much more common in 1970s, and occurred in very high density clusters. From 1975-1977, two Colorado counties alone had nearly 200 reports. Mm. Most of these incidents were re- reported in Utah have occurred in the eastern and northeastern parts of the state. Hmm. wonder why. Because it's in the Uinta Basin. Yeah, literally, that's where that is. Ryan Layton, who himself has immersed in the study of extraterrestrial phenomena, is very uh, familiar with the Uinta Basin's history of UFO sightings and reports of extraterrestrial activity calls the unexplained animal deaths one of the most incredible mysteries to this day. You know, there's some people out there that they get super excited when they get called out to look at an exploded cow. I don't think I'm, I'm one of those people. I don't know. I could see it. I could see it. 
Popular theories and mere conjecture lead many to believe extraterrestrials descend on helpless cattle and other livestock to conduct biological experiments that may benefit their own species. Here's here's my thing with that, and I know we could we we went really hard in the paint with cattle mutilations. Yeah. Uh, if it was real extraterrestrials, first off, they would be like Star Trek was one option, where they would not have to hurt anything to get all of their biological data. Right. Yeah. Because they. To actually make it through the vastness of space, the amount of technology it would take. When you got here, we would be like ants to God. Right. They, could, they could just scan it. Yeah. If that's they would the scan case. the whole planet. You yeah. know, everything about the planet in milliseconds. Right. So cutting out the anus and the eyeball of a cow and taking its penis is not is not getting very more advanced in science. Now, interdimensional things, I do think that door... Is a little easier to open. Yeah. So I'm saying uh, less advanced species could do it because I think we've done it. Yeah. But I think it's more like blasting, taking a cannon and blasting a hole in a wall and then crawling through the hole. Uh, but I don't know. I kind of like the idea that, you know, cutting the thing's anus out and harvesting its penis, that, you know, that's the next step for our civilization to get us that next level. The second, no, you, you don't even know. It's not the next level. The second we get to another dimension, yeah. they're quote unquote cows. We're going to beat them over the head with a baseball bat. No, oh, probably. And cut off their genitalia and take it back. Depends which one of us uh, groups of human beings makes it to that level Does first. not matter. Any any government agency from exactly. around the that's world. That's what I'm saying, yeah. Exactly. That's who's doing it. Right, yeah. So I think that's what I'm saying is if they're coming, I could see it. See, so it is, they are advanced beings and aliens. No, they're just interdimensional scumbags. Ver- versions of us. Yeah. Just us. It's just, it's just us. It's always just us. Uh, so popular theories that they're that. Uh, whether this belief is ever borne out or not, condemnation researchers estimate the annual cases far outnumber those ones being reported. Just like any any paranormal phenomena. Yeah. Uh, that the sec like there's always tons more. I would say, I think they now think one in ten Bigfoot sightings are reported. Dang, that's it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was better because when we did it a long time ago, it was like one in 50 or one in 60. Gosh, dang. And then UFOs, I think, are are maybe one in five. And I bet you that's going to only keep going up with the way they keep putting that in the news. Mm-hmm. And it's, and I think I think there's good and bad things with that, what comes with that, you know. Yeah. With people, though, coming out and actually talking about their stuff is one of the positives. That's a positive, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Trusting the federal government is the negative. hundred percent. But I think it's funny that the, the government basically came out and was like, and they didn't say this, but they kind of basically did like, oh yeah, aliens are real. Everybody's like, huh? What? Don't, uh, you don't care. We don't care. Yeah. Does that help me pay rent? Right. Right. Exactly. Does that, does that make you tax me less? Uh, heck no. It's actually probably going to make us tax. They're going to tax us more. Oh. Because now we need, you know, to fund more Space Force stuff. So we need more of your... Uh, more of your tax money to fight aliens, guys. Serious. Aliens. I've never seen this documentary, but I'm going to watch it probably tonight. Uh, Sorry. But there was, uh, well, you know Linda Moulton Howe. Yeah. Uh, she did, I've never seen her Strange Harvest documentary. Have you? I, I think not. I have her book, Strange Harvest. Okay. But I've never seen her documentary. Maybe I watched it with the original Cattle Mulation episode. I can't remember. But I just wanted to bring that up, that it was very hard. 
And the Patreon members helped me out a lot with sending me some actual researchers and stuff like that in the Uinta Basin area Okay, that worked. And it may just have to be its own kind of thing eventually because it's it's just too hard to research because the Skinwalker Ranch show has embedded it so yeah. deeply in all of their stuff because yeah. they had one cow emulation. They had one dog man. They had one wolf. T- touch the, on the every... first season, in the first three episodes, they yeah. had about everything that the Shermans were reporting. And then it all went to just UFOs and rockets. Yeah. They had to get all those keyword you you would know, be searches dead. in. You would be dead if you did a shot every time that Taylor shot a rocket up into the air. It's a new drinking game. You know, you'd be dead. <laughs> it's not a game. That's a death sentence. Because <laughs> it's just every episode. That's two time rockets. Because he's from Texas. Yeah. He's, a, he's a, actually worked for NASA and stuff. I know what'll fix this. Let's shoot a rocket into the atmosphere and make it explode. If that show is 100% real, let's say it is for just a second. I yeah. know we're tangenting, but it's about, it's at least about the stuff. Right, yeah. If that show is 100% real, he is fully a con artist that found a billionaire that lets him shoot a rocket off every day. Because he worked for like, uh, I think it was, he was Allsap he was on and NASA and stuff. And he's a rocket scientist for NASA. Yeah. And, you know, their budgeting was very limited as far as the public sector is concerned. Uh, so he finds this billionaire that's like, yeah, find out the mysteries of my ranch. And like, order 100,000 rockets. Yeah, we need rockets. Every day. They go out right before lunch, <laughs> shoot a couple rockets right after lunch, have a beer, shoot rockets. We're almost there. We and just... they try to hide the beer. I seen it in one episode. They always try to hide the beer under the table or something like yeah. that. There was a Bud Light sitting on the edge of one of them. <laughs> you could tell that the producer probably fried somebody for that after. Yep. They're out there getting one... drunk in the desert, shooting rockets, rockets out of this triangle. Right, make just to make everyone believe all that, like their stories they're telling. Mm-hmm. All right, so yeah, and I don't know. What do you think about the cattle emulations? What do I think about them? Especially specifically the ones out here. There's tons of them, but they're super hard to research. Though we did the Nids one. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, obviously they're happening, but uh, it, and like we kind of just touched on a little bit on that last episode, but who's actually doing it? What's actually doing it? Yeah, it just it it seems to be a multi uh, layered answer, and it may not just be one thing. Especially, I don't think it's just a skinwalker, because I, like we talked about the the one eating that trying to eat that baby cow's head. It wasn't very like clean and precise, like a mutilation. You know what I mean? It looked like it was just trying to maul and eat that thing. So I think the, I think the mutilations might fall more in that weird whatever the paranormal side of this alien and quote-unquote side of it is plus whatever secret dark stuff our government's doing or intelligence community's doing behind the scenes to follow in their footsteps or to do with whatever these other entities are doing i don't know next one for you is portals i couldn't find besides there was a couple we we did the one already where we talked about uh, the sherman seeing right the one opening the basically the door they, the the more in-depth description of that is, like, imagine, like, a space hangar door opening up in, like, a TV show. That's what they describe the sky doing. Yeah. And there was, like, a box inside the sky, but it was actually somewhere else. And UFOs coming in and out. This, is this as far as I can tell, oh, I found a lot of people that said, like, my uncle had seen that and blah, yeah. blah, blah. I had a little bit of trouble finding eyewitnesses, the first hand, mm-hmm. people seeing it. Uh, the few I found were pretty much all that. They were almost always, here's a weird thing for you, red on the inside. Red? 
like it was like velvet red hmm. when they would open up, like the box yeah. would be red, and then there would be somewhere else on the other side. So whatever the in between is, is a red in red. color, I guess. <laughs> uh, no, but you know what's really weird? Yeah, is the famous portal off of New Zealand is also mostly seen in red. Hmm, interesting. And it's the same thing—a box that opens and ships fly in and out. Uh, the Nids team—they uh, mm. had a lot of circular portals. The one guy that described it described it as like a corrugated pipe. Okay. Essentially, that this thing was like. The, the big dog name was Army Crawling Out of. Out of, yeah. And they would see Ugh. him open up really high over the ranch. Yeah. And then on the ground, uh, there's a lot of water, so I'm sure they probably open up underwater. Oh, for sure. That's probably the only phenomenon I didn't find out here was a lake monster. Which is odd, ain't And it? there's a lot of lakes. I bet you they're maybe just not reported as much. Probably just the dog man eating them. Or that too, yeah. <laughs> what about the water baby things? They're they're out. Aren't they out here somewhere? They, they're close by, I think, Arizona. Okay, so that's close. I mean, it's right there. I mean, maybe they're the version, the water version, that, but they're just not get eaten by dog men. Yeah, they don't, they're not. They're lower on the food chain than this in the Uinta, <laughs> so they don't get talked about as much. We'll talk about the apex here at the very end of this episode. But the, what? Oh, the apex predator. Mm-hmm. Okay, the red thing. That red is kind of interesting, though. Uh, and what, you know what's weird? It reminds me of what deep sea organisms. Remember, either one or two episodes ago, I promised you we'd talk about fish at some point. Yes. I mean, I think Here's that's a promise comes. to every episode. So a lot of these deep-sea organisms... Uh, so the portal's invisible, right, when it's sitting up there? Okay. A lot of these deep-sea organisms are translucent. They're, quote-unquote, invisible. Yeah. Their stomach lining is always velvet red. Not always, always, but most times it's always velvet red. Okay. And that's due to block out the most light as possible. Okay. So I don't know if it's some weird... I just seen it because it's just... What if there's a big fish up there? That's the portal. Like a big jelly? Yeah. And it's just opening up and letting these... It ate a dog man earlier and just realized it couldn't digest it. And it opened up this thing's like crawling out like... (gasps) They have that so when they eat bioluminescent things... Yeah. That they don't like have a beak in themselves. Okay. So the red red stomach lining absorbs all the light. Makes sense, yeah. Uh, Because they don't want to swallow something that's glowing like a flashlight and then they get eaten. Right, which a lot of defense yep, things spit, have that for yeah, they spit the bioluminescent stuff. So oh, that maybe maybe that's the answer. Maybe that's why there's so much stuff in the sky. Because they eat skinwalkers. The atmospheric creatures feed on them. Shh, don't, don't say anything more about that idea. Come on. No. You gotta, we'll get there. When you, when you put the puzzle pieces together... That's why but, he was crawling out of that tube, because he was like... <laughs> well, he's crawling into this world. Yeah, he's crawling back into... Yeah, because he just was being half-digested for... Until t- he just finally got out. So, yeah. I don't... The portal thing, you know, it's not... I I kind of wonder if it's connected. Because all the portals, I don't know if they're intelligently controlled. Yeah. Or random. Right. And I really think if they're more random... They are probably related into the gravitational and uh, magnetic anomalies. Yeah, the, the electromagnetic sphere. Yeah. So I think that there's something there with how many, how big the magnetic anomalies are. Right. And how many gravitational anomalies there are. Like we covered in the first episode of this. I wonder if there's something there with that, and their portals are just kind of opening and closing at random. But these beings may know that, so they kind of just wait by the like the bus station. Yeah. And then crawl through when it's time. You're right. Yeah. I, and the the color too, because I've heard of other portals, and usually usually the color is like orange or something. So, wonder if like 
the different portal colors mean they're coming from different dimensions or different places, different realms. I don't know. And two, um, I wonder if they're red, kind of like we talked about with Daryl Sims when he talked about removing the eye off the gray alien and seeing the red behind it. Wonder if it's same red phenomena, maybe. Oh, just just demons. Just de- yeah, it's coming from a demon realm. And the last thing that made me think of it, made me laugh, was uh, when you said it was red on the other side of the portal. There's a Why Is Kids You Know skit, and they're going to, they're flying in a spaceship to the edge of the universe. And it's the first expedition ever to the edge of the universe. And he's like, all right. And they start doing a countdown. He's like, we should be there in 10 seconds. So they do a countdown from 10. And they're flying through space. You know, it looks like hyperspace, like on a, what, like Star Wars, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. So that's what it looks like outside the window. And then immediately when he's, they go through to the edge of the universe, everything turns from black, you know, hyperspace to red. It, everything just immediately turns to, oh, it's all red. Everything's red. It was just dumb. And, and then everything just goes. I remember that one. You showed that one. Yeah. Because when we get drunk, you start forcing me to watch some of that stuff. <laughs> it's funny. No, it was when we were driving home from Pennsylvania. I was ah. so tired. And you're like. Watch, Watch this. this one. Yeah, it's funny. Because we got driving. to the dumb ones. Why is because you know has some very dumb things. Oh, it's really exploring the canyons of your mind. Ready for the next topic? Yes. Or do you have anything to finish with with the portals? No, I think well, I think they're real. I just don't yeah. know what they are. Right? Yeah. It's not, maybe it's a fish. There you go. Like portals are fish. <laughs> Jellyfish. Jellyfish. No. So real quick, the other side's not red. The mem- no, the thing in right. between is like red. Like the aura. Like the, yeah. Like the walls of the quote-unquote box yes. inside are red. Okay. I just wanted to make sure I expl- explain that right. Okay. Because it's not like the world's red over right, there. Right, on the other side. Because then that would actually be hell. <laughs> Probably. I would not want to go there. If the hole opens up and you just see fire on the other side, like, uh, no wonder they're leaving. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, let's. I got a bunch of UFOs from the National UFO Reporting Database. Oh, all right. Uh, so, funny thing, I told you this story off air. When I was doing this, it's a really easy resource for us to use. Anybody that's trying to find out if you have UFO sightings in your area, if you've seen a UFO, and just kind of want to see if there's other ones that were reported in the same time, they're really easy resource to use. They put little, like, Google pins on this map. Okay. So you can see right where everybody's seen them and stuff. So I was zooming in uh, to Fort Duch- Duchess is in the middle, and, then, you know, there's Vernal and, Res- and Roosevelt. And there was just, like, one hand over Fort Duchess. And I'm like, oh, no. Just, yeah. Like, no, I, I wanted a lot of UFO sightings. Yeah. And as I zoomed in, I realized that Google does this to where if there's too many in one spot. It consolidates. It consolidates it into a really big hand. Yeah. And I zoomed in a little bit and thousands. Just popped up. Yeah, like, literally, we keep zooming into town more yeah. and more and more and more and more pop up. Yeah. So I just pegged a couple. That's, uh, I try to get a little bit of a variety. Okay. Uh, because any UFO you could imagine has been seen here. Okay. Whether it's the giant black triangles, the supersized like Borg cubes from like Star Trek. Yeah. They have been seen here. The big cigar shaped yeah. Oh, yeah. ones. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, first one was 2017, 818. Uh, you went to a mountain range, cylinder shaped object seen for 30 seconds. And they do this nice little reporting uh some of the extra characteristics it had was an aura or a haze around the object and a lot of these are really short just because it's uh, the like the format excuse me hiking in in the discreetness of the 
Amethyst Lake hiking trail at approximately 6.30 p.m., looked up in the clear blue sky with no clouds. Witnessed in, in either a square or a cylinder-shaped object hovering emotionally approximately 3,000 feet in the air mm-hmm. north of the trailhead. Watched the object for roughly 30 seconds. The object then immediately disappeared. Mm. The object had extremely sharp edges with maybe a very slight glow or reflection around it. Okay. So just this thing is just sitting up there. Cylinder or... Or a a cube. Yeah, it's odd. So they were having trouble, and it was probably because the distance it was up, human eyes maybe having a little trouble at that. They get hard. She she or he could see hard lines. Right. But didn't know the exact shape. So that kind of almost sounds like the portal shape we were describing, but from the bottom view. Okay. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Most of the boxes are seen head on, or the tubes are seen head on. Yeah. And this was, you know, right under. But I don't know. It's just a thought. Yeah, that's a good thought. Uh, 11... Three, three, uh, Uenta, Utah, orb shaped, one minute observation. So lights around, uh, extra characteristics, lights around the orb, auras and hazes around the object that they have like little check boxes you can like click for those. Oh, okay. So I was chased by a demonic spirit in the form of white orbs of light. It was just the title. I was driving on highway 89 between Ogin and Salt Lake City. I decided to take a shortcut through the rural neighborhood. I reached a dead end and was forced to go back to the main highway. I saw a cow in a corral and decided to stop and look at the cow. As I, I uh, sorry, as I think that the skeleton architecture in pastures in residential areas are very are very quite quaint phenomena of the Mormon landscape. As I was looking at the uh, the gurney and the cow, I saw a shadow moving swiftly from my left side to behind me. The feeling of dread came over me, and I got a strong feeling that I should leave. I always listened to my instincts, so I returned to my car immediately. As I began to drive away, I had a strong feeling of dread wash over me again. Mm. It was so strong, I could cut it with a knife. I looked behind me, and to my surprise, to see an orb of light in my rearview mirror. Ooh. The light was about the size of a small cantaloupe suspended in the air about four feet. I saw nothing but the light that was rushing towards... That scared me. A little bit, yeah. Uh, Sorry. Rushing towards me on the back of my car. I looked at something like a bicycle headlamp from my rearview mirror, so I assumed that somebody wanted to talk to me to see what I was doing by their pasture. It was uh, They were probably bothered by my presence or suspicious activity of me looking at their property. Looking in my mirror, I saw that it was about five feet behind me before it veered slightly to the left side of my car. I stopped my car, rolled down my window, I was going to greet the person with the bike headlamp, but it, uh, yeah, I then looked over my left shoulder to talk to them, and there was nothing there. But the angle of the skewed and the speed of the light that was traveling, by the time I looked to the left to greet them, it should have been there at my left uh, rear fender and taken on another second or two to get to my window. But by the time I looked, or by the time it took me to look in my rearview mirror to over my left shoulder, the orb had, of light had vanished. I opened my door, got out, and looked around in disbelief, as if it had vanished into thin air. I was overcome again with a very malevolent feeling. Got back to my car, drove away as fast as I could. No light followed me as I drove home the second time. Hmm. So just this ball of light. Now, not in, I don't know if it's in Utah, but there are, uh, Route 66 has lights and orbs that chase cars all the time. Yep. Uh, They cause wrecks, people have reported. 
That's scary. Uh, so I don't know if it's some like things, whether, you know, uh, we also talked about on Patreon, uh, the ball lightning phenomena. Yeah. Uh, and that's kind of what this, that it gets attracted to a person. So mm. I wonder if you get happen to get in a car fast enough and leave, if it's whatever force it's being propelled by, still like tracking the person until it dissipates energy. Hmm. So she made it far enough to where man just timed it up just yeah. right. That, but that's it. I don't know though because it's that sense of dread, that sense of being watched. It almost feels like something intelligent mm-hmm. chasing after. Um, I don't know that that would not make you feel pretty very good or very safe if uh, that's what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, it uh, reminded me of that. I, ever t- I think I told we talked about it on the show when. I, when I was driving home once, it might have been from here late at night, and I was driving. I, you know, you get like the bright headlights in your face at late at night, and it's, you just want them to turn their brights down. Yeah, you, you can either flash the person or you just deal with it until you're past them. So there, it was something like that. I was driving down my road, just about to my house, and there was like blue headlights. You know how some of the new ones have like that bluish tint hue to them, mm-hmm. but it was like a weird blue, like. And I'm watching them come up, I'm like, all right, there they are. Like, I didn't do my head flash like my brights or nothing, but kind of put my head down, got past them, then looked look up to see, like, because I see them kind of get over. And when I looked up in my rear mirror, the lights were gone and there was no taillights. It's really odd. It's like a ghost car. But I was imagining, like, when he said looked in the rear view uh, mirror to see that light, like a bicycle following him. That reminded me of looking in my rearview mirror to see the taillights, but there was nothing there. It's an odd phenomenon. You were abducted. I don't know why this is why you don't believe it. I've talked about this on the show, though, as a story. I don't know you have. I'm pretty sure we did. No, because I think Maybe you, it was on a cryptids and coffee or something. I think you think you do because you're abducted and they plant memories. Oh, okay. That's why the way that's why the, you're the way you are. Why? Because they every time they abduct you, they steal they steal a hair follicle. Off the top of your head. That's where they went. I knew it. I'm not going bald. I'm being robbed. <laughs> no, it's every time you open your mouth, you get abducted. I didn't get abducted. I just I drove I looked up, it was gone. Then I and was then home. I looked back at the clock on my car and four hours was gone. <laughs> yeah, no. No, I just thought it was weird. And I, my left leg was shorter. Well, that is no, I'm not from West Virginia. Because all the hills. Yeah. Uh, okay. Next one. 2020, 713, you went to wilderness. Shape, changing. Duration, 20 minutes. Characteristic, lights on or animals react. Uh, craft spotted and you went to wilderness. Went backpack or backcountry camping and you went to wilderness, unsure of the exact location at the time of the sighting. First craft was spotted in the northeastern sky. A solid white light moving erratically before disappearing. They said the light just like blipped out. Did not simply travel out of view. Seeming lower than any airplane and was completely silent. Duration about five minutes of watching it. During the interval between the, the sightings, we were noticed the forest had fallen silent. No owls or crickets. Ten minutes later, the second craft was spotted in the north. May have still been the first craft in a new position, but now visible again. This anomaly was at the same altitude and silent. However, it was slowly going and the white light seemed to be oscillating. That of like a lighthouse. We watched it for about two minutes before the orange tail shot out behind it, and it bolted to the east. After getting or after getting to the northeastern portion, nearing the position we lost the previous craft, it slowed near to a stop, 
just as the previous craft did and blipped out. Mm. Once so similar craft. I wonder if they're looking for these portals. The oh. blipping out is the finally finding it. Finally getting to it. Yeah. Or if it has to reach, it's like Back to the Future. It has to reach eighty-eight miles per hour, then it blips out. Well, it slowed down. Oh, well, never mind. There's way I, to just way to just take my theory and. I don't, I'm just saying that it's it's just crush weird. Crush it. That and these these balls of light are seen out there all the time. Yeah. They went to base it. I mean, literally, there's thousands of UFO reports like in the last. Like Brown Mountain Lights, similar situation. Except these are way up there and big. Oh, okay. Big mountain lights. Mm-hmm. Like the brown mountain lights, like they don't take people as far as I know. These things explode cows. Oh, yeah, that's right, yeah. Because remember the red light UFO thing is what destroyed the dogs on for the Sherman's property. Yeah. So UFOs do kill animals. We do, at least according to Sherman's. Um. Yeah, so you ready for the next one? Or do you have any questions about that one? What do you think? Do you think it, you think it went through a portal? Or do you think it just blipped out? What do you think? Well, I don't know. I mean, UFO phenomena could have just... Yeah, it could have just blipped out or just or or just went like we talked about uh went into a different light spectrum. Like could have just went to infrared. There you, you know, go. Could have went to it it might just still be there. I knew you were here for a reason. Right. Because I got all the answers to life. All the secrets to life all reside right up in here under the flap. Sure. Twenty twelve to twelve. Fort Duchess. I'm hoping it's Duchess, whatever the D1 is, the fort there in the middle. You've been saying it the whole time is Duchess, so I hope mm-hmm. so too. I, I think they said on the show is Duchess, so that's kind of why I think it's in my head. But everybody knows. If you just type in the fort in the middle, there you go. There we you probably go. got comments below. Yeah. Justin's saying the wrong city again. Mr. E. Uh, egg shape UFO, 10-minute duration. Characteristics, lights on orb, aura and haze around it, color changing, landed, electrical and magnetic effects. Ooh. Glowing egg or oblong shaped flying object rose up from the ground and went east. My wife had just and I just put our kids to bed and we went outside on our porch to for some fresh air. And we were just about to go back inside to bed when we saw a funny light moving slowly up from the lower area of the landscape where we lived, uh, right by the, the, the Ute Native American reservation. I started it started changing colors from a steadily yellow glow to all kinds when we passed directly over our heads and slowed to a no more than 25 miles per hour as it shifted from color to color to color. And the only sound we heard was a slight buzz. My wife said she heard, because I'm pretty deaf due to the military service, it was always or it was away towards the direction of due east. I say maybe a thousand feet away, and it vanished into the black sky. This never happened before in the egg shape or it was oblong. And yet, our power was all shut off in the area. Wow. So, they, he goes in and explains a little more. As the thing was passing, it was knocking out the power below it. Okay. We've heard this before. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Tons of UFOs have that happen. Yeah, it just draws. It's like it's drawing on the... But I think this one might be an electromagnetic, like, uh, f- pulling from that. You know, I mean, pulling from that energy. Maybe that's why it's pulling. Maybe the ground is a battery, and that's why the UFOs are stopping to refuel. Ah, it's like a Tesla charging station. That's why Elon Musk you know, now owns you're the ruining the last episode. Uh, do you know Tesla lived in the Uinta Basin for a short period of time? Nikola Tesla? Mm-hmm. You're making that up. No, because he was out west for a lot. Uh, you got that nefarious look in your eye. I don't know if he lived out there. Yeah, exactly. I did, you almost had me for a second. I'm like, wait a minute. No, no. 
You're lying. It could be. It'd it, explain a lot. It'd be. I think I'd it rather would explain everything. I think Elon Musk may have lived out there to you know refuel his bug oh, parts. He's one get, of the ant people that crawled out from exactly the Hopi we're talking about. The Hopi are here too a little bit. I've had, I found nothing about the Hopi with Uenta. Hmm. Well, I hope they're not involved. <laughs> That's awful. So dumb. I know. All right. For uh, 1944. Just put me down. Disc shape. 10-minute observation woman, 20s, sees a round object. I was, uh, it was, sorry, I was two to three-year-old child. My father was transferred to a small government boarding school for American Native American children during World War II. If anybody knows about these schools, they were very bad. Unless it wasn't like one. Of, oh no, it says government one, right? Uh, yeah, government boarding school. Yeah, uh, not good. No. Uh, they tried to. Man, we should, maybe should have covered that a little bit because I. Anyways, they tried to essentially breed the Native American out of the Native American, and yeah. they stole a bunch of kids and educated them to forget like the Native American ways. Yeah, uh, indoctrination. And doc, thank you. That's the word. My mother tells me the story while we were there. She took me out for a walk in the school. I understand that many UFOs are spotted in the area to this day, with some speculated by some that there may be a UFO base in the area. One afternoon walk, my mom said a large silvery object came out of sight and made a 360-degree flight around us, then left. That was actually Jean Jacket, the living UFO, going to eat the kids. Ah. My mo- but seeing how bad the Native Americans were treated and decided to go. I would have done it, too, if I was Jean Jacket. My mother, for decades, thought the object may have been one of the uh, incendiary device balloons launched by the Japanese Imperial Forces from the Japanese home island during the war. Got, these guys are out in the middle of the Uenta Basin. And they think it's a Japanese war balloon? But it's, I'm just saying, because the country was so, like, paranoid. True, yeah. And they're out in the middle of the desert, and they're like, an incendiary balloon. I'm just saying, it's nothing. It's not that anybody's dumb or nothing. It's just that Why everybody even, was so on edge. Why hasn't anyone said, you know, that UFO uh, jellyfish looking video that's been going around recently? Mm-hmm. How come no one said that's a Chinese like war balloon? I do think I know what it is, but we may talk about it off air. All right. Uh, anyways, Teaser. Teasing them out the there. The Japanese hoped to start fires in America mainland. We've launched these between November of 1944 and April of 1945. Again, about the time I was seeing these two or three balloons. Some 9,300 fusion uh, bukudan, literally, they translate to balloon bombs, devices, were sent aloft. About 300 of them were observed. So these guys were just launching them. They launched a rough, about 10,000 and 300 made it. So there's all these poor islands in the Pacific. Yeah. That this balloon lands and just burns the whole island down. <laughs> it just sounds, it's, it's what? what happened to Hawaii. Oh, no. It was a lot. Oh, it no. It was the last balloon. Yeah. From World War II. Came back out of the upper <laughs> yeah. atmosphere. It can finally touch down. 80 years later. However, when I became an adult, I asked my mother some questions about what she saw that day. She gave essentially that the same explanation as above. I asked her if she would draw it. She drew a round object that may have been a balloon. However, she apparently did not see any dangling instrumental or in- instruments or incendiary devices or a bomb. I think at the height she reported about 500 feet above us, the devices would have been pretty visible. I then asked what else she noticed and saw. She said the device or either simmered or sort of shook while it was in flight. 
The object then, as I departed, as it, I said, as it departed, I'm not certain whether it would drift away or flew off, controlled. I was young enough, I don't remember the incident, though. I do remember some things happening from time to time, none of which were involving UFOs. I suppose I'm not filing a report exactly, except, except for the fact that the object made a complete circle around us and the object had a very particular movement. It may have actually been Jean Jacket. <laughs> this is just what the movie's just about this one case. Well, I didn't eat him. Well, true. Well, not yeah. We didn't get to finish the story. If it ate him, you wouldn't get that story. How are you going to write it? So it didn't eat him yet. To be determined. To be determined. You think this is a creature or just another? That know? one could be. That one, just because the way it's hard, because once again, we can't interview these people. Right. So I can't yeah. tell if it's vibrating or if the skin of the craft itself is like moving like it's tasting the air perhaps well like a jellyfish you know like yeah. they have a little bit like even like i'm joking about jean jacket from the movie nope but this outer layer yeah would move a little bit when they were doing the editing like it was a living thing around that bony or whatever right skeleton right so i don't know if that's what she's seeing and this big thing just came and looked because i do think they're curious the organic ufo some of them i think when they're down here they're I think almost all living creatures are curious. <clears throat> and they do eat kids. Right. Almost all living creatures do. <laughs> the answer, I got to add that to the soundboard. Ah, almost all living creatures do. Eat kids? Vernal, Utah, which is just down the road. Hi. So the other night, I was excited. Or I was so excited that I just had to tell somebody I took a photo of a UFO. I didn't see this photo attached, just so everybody knows. I, but yeah, I'm finally getting the chance to report it. Uh, when I blew it up before, oh, I did find this picture. I'll I'll post it when this episode comes out. Okay, I do have this picture. Uh, basically, it's a flying kidney bean, uh, like the bean from uh, Chicago. Yes, but upside down. Okay. Okay, so like the the bends at the top in the middle. And it, they they caught it in several positions, and it wasn't falling; it was going. It was falling with style. Yes, falling with style. Yeah, I just thought that was weird. Okay. But was there's it, a picture. I'll put. I'll post a picture. Oh, okay. Was it metallic? Or on Facebook, everybody. <gasps> I'll post the picture on Facebook. Ooh, then you know it's real. I, I love Facebook because everything on there is real, especially now they have those Facebook fact checkers. We got in trouble the other day by them. By the fact checkers? Yeah, Ross got in trouble. Oh, no. What was it? And he just posted a link. It wasn't even nothing. Yeah. Well, you know, they just like to do that. They do. All right. Another Vernal one. Uh, my daughter, 36, myself, 54, and my our friend, male, 41, went out to the property camp over a four-day weekend starting on Thursday, July 23rd, 2015, with two other people, both males, for a total of five of us. And just the way they read that, it had to be wrote, written like a... I just lost my words. Had to be spoken as if a robot was typed, because it's very... It sounded like you... It's very official how she types everything. Yeah. Our, on Friday the 24th, it was very hot, 98 degrees to 100 degrees Fahrenheit, and we planned a hike to the nearby canyon. Who hikes when it's 100 degrees outside? These people out in Utah are crazy. It must be Mormon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or they're natives. I don't even Or they're Native Americans, and they just handle it. I don't even know what that's supposed to mean, though. Oh, yeah, it just must be Mormon. It sounds like, you know, it's what they do. 100-degree hikes. It's in the handbook. I could see the one Mormon family we know doing that. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Uh, now you got me all. Anyways, so about 10 to 15 mile on a dirt road trail, 
Uh, but due to the heat, only three of us decided to go on the hike. Ah, the, the two of the normal people dropped out. <laughs> My daughter and I drove up in our UTV, and uh, and the friend he rode his dirt bike. We follow, or he let we led. He followed all the way for about a half mile behind us on the dirt road was dusty. We hiked till about three p.m. and headed back to camp. Three to four miles heading back. My friend passes us and went ahead. As we were moving along, around 20 to 25 miles an hour, my daughter said, Stop, Dad, stop, stop. Uh, so they're in dirt, they're in ATVs. Right. Not hiking, I guess that makes more sense. I stopped just a few seconds later. What it was was that I leaned back in my seat, looking over at her, looking back up at the ridge top. At first, I didn't see anything, but then I leaned back a little further and looked forward. There it was. It was a crescent-shaped craft just hovering right above the ridge. Hmm. It was translucent and slightly white with a curved down to the shape to a point on both ends. It hovered for about 10 seconds and then started to descend behind the ridge as it started to glow very brightly in an orangish earth-toned color. When it passed the pine trees spaced out right on the top, right of the ridge top, it was at least six to eight trees wide, guessing 150 to 200 feet wide. As it went down behind the ridge, out of sight, as we just sat there looking to see if it would come back, my daughter said it was moving along the ridge top slowly in the same direction we were traveling, and when we stopped, it stopped. It's forward motion and just hovered. At the point I saw it, when it was hovering, and it stayed there for about 10 to 15 minutes, I didn't see it come back, so we moved on. So we went up the road and saw our friend on his motorbike waiting for us on the side of the road to catch up. He said, what took so long? And we told him what happened. But later, he did confirm that he did sit there for a total of 10 to 15 minutes waiting on us. Back at camp, my daughter was very upset and did not talk much over the next four hours. The area this happened does not get many visitors or residents or riders. We did not see anyone else the whole day we were out there hiking and riding on bikes. The canyon was the or was the high canyon wall on both sides of the road. This is the area I know very well and don't need maps from around here. Shortly after we went back to camp, one of the other men were splitting up or splitting us up had us draw what we had saw. The picture we drew uh, to this day are in this report. I didn't see it out of this report. I'll have to look for this one again. But it's very classic crescent. It almost sounds like a mana, though. Huh. It almost does, doesn't it? Hmm. It does. Translucent with an orange glow inside. Slowly moving over a ridgeline. But she didn't say it was flapping or anything like that. Right, but not all mana ones do. Just, Some just glide. Right, yeah. It could have just been riding a, doing a thermal vent, you know, riding experience. Huh. Mm-hmm. You know, you went to mountains... Yep, they have a lot of uh, of I just forgot the word, not a thermal vent, but uh, the the uprising, yeah, the uprising currents, yeah. All right, it's like an elevator for atmospheric creature to get right back so up. That's just yeah, that's just a, a hodgepodge of UFO sightings. Uh, next, I got for you is Bigfoot and just bad monsters. Oh, Bigfoot and baddies. Yeah, a lot of these monsters are weird. Any questions so far, young man? No, this is a, a girthy episode. If they're all girthy. It's the season finale. I guess so. This will be the last one for this episode. Okay. 
uh, well, the last group section. But do you have any any thoughts about the UFOs? No, it seems to be a hodgepodge of some phenomena going on here. So there's a lot of Bigfoot encounters. I just picked uh, a handful and then went with some of the more weird monster sightings because there are a lot of weird monsters out there. Uh, if you name a phenomena, it's probably happened in the Uinta Basin. Uh, so huge Bigfoot encounter by family in Uinta Mountains. The Ute natives described a Bigfoot encounter with a family had during a camping trip to Uinta Mountains. The following account was recently forwarded to, it was Fandon Monsters. When I was younger, my family went out camping a lot. We used to go into the Uinta Mountains in Utah most of the time. There was a lake there where we'd camp next to. So, of course, my family was fishing. My dad, my mom, my uncle, and I were on the shore trying to catch a fish. Across the shore on the other side of the small lake, my dad had noticed a huge black hairy figure just standing still looking right at us. It had been, it had, it had to be half, or, oh, man, it had to be at least eight foot tall, maybe even taller since it was so far away. My dad tried to yell at it, but since he thought it was a prank of some sort, I don't remember what dad said, but I do remember the sound the creature made back. It wasn't anything we understood. It was kind of an unintelligible scream, but it did, however, sound like it knew what my dad was saying. Hmm. Like it was saying something back to us only in its own language. Mm -hmm. We all looked at it at this point. My grandparents and my brother had joined us. I remember my parents attempting to recreate the screams it was making as if it would be a, some kind of appropriate response. This went on for a couple minutes. Very wow. cool encounter so far. Yeah. Then the creature just took off. I mean, quick, fast, on its hands and feet. The entire time, both of our. Both of it had been on its two feet, like a human. But as it turned and started running, it dropped on all fours and out of sight. It had been running for 20, it had to be at least running 25 to 30 miles per hour. My brother, grandpa, and dog tried to chase it. And they went there and they had seen it in the direction it went. They did find a huge lump of black hair stuck in the briar fence there. Although, I'm not certain of what it really, I'm not, we're not certain that it came from this creature. Why we didn't leave, which still puzzles me, we spent the night there in our tents. It was very windy, and I don't think we had anyone actually slept. I was worried the creature would come back to our campsite in the night. I'm not sure the rest of my family was so concerned. I think about it from time to time, but honestly, if it wasn't for the rare encounter, if it wasn't for this rare encounter in the Utah, I've seen some UFOs. My brother has followed by a UFO. I lived near Skinwalker Ranch my whole life. Because of our native Ute traditions, I believe many people... Take these encounters in stride. So you're saying that's why they don't get reported very often because as long just, as it's not a skinwalker, most people don't care. Yeah, yeah. Because it's all in their folklore. It's all in their legends. Just imagine seeing that thing run that or move that fast, especially on all drop down all fours. Mm -hmm. I mean, well, we've heard that plenty, plenty of times with Bigfoot. So it's just but, weird. It's finally good to get one where people. I've never. I don't remember many where people seen him drop on all fours and drop. run like that. Yeah, it wasn't a spider crawl. We've heard that before. Right. Yeah. This is much more like it, just like like a bear like crawl. a gorilla or a bear. Yeah, that's what I kind of in picture. But moving that fast through like forest, and then they go and chase it. Yeah, yeah. Let's just follow it. Like no, I would be. That just be scary. Utah's a different breed. I guess so. The desert does that to you. The desert does that to you. It's that Salt Lake air. Whales in the Great Salt Lake. Ah, cetaceans. Cetacean station. So next one I have for you is a crawling humanoid figure encountered while hunting in the Uinta Mountains. Okay, sounds frightening. A young man recalls his experience with a pale crawling humanoid 
while hunting out there in the remote area in the Uinta Mountains. It was surely an encounter that he'll never forget. The following account was forwarded. This incident occurred about seven years ago when I was in my late teens on a muzzleloader mule deer hunt in the far northeast part of Utah. The area contains some of the most remote places in the state. I've been frequenting out there in this area spending in Summit County that cuts in and out of lower Wyoming since before I can remember, including lots of hiking, backpacking, camping, hunting, and being involved with all sorts of kind of work with my grandfather. I'm skeptical of all things not proven by the methods of science, but I don't deny all those things. I find it that it's impossible for science to know all there is to know out there in this vast world. Mm. My grandpa was a recently retired biologist and former conservation officer for the state. He was a regional specialist and was over when and was over wildlife and habitat management for many years. He did everything from habitat management programs to quite a bit of wrangling mooses to be transported and darting black bears. He has seen mountain lions, bears, birds of all kinds, small mammals, uh, plants, uh, natural phenomena of, of all kinds of major life. And he understood so much, and many people, including himself, that we'll never be able to have imagined. He's scientific, honest, straightforward, level-headed. Uh, so, yeah, I'm skipping ahead a little bit because he just talks about his grandpa more. He has never encountered an animal that he could not at least partially identify. And the other's natural uh, imminent fear of being close quarters with bears, drunken or belligerent hunters, or incredibly potent tranquilizer medicines he told me over and over he's never been terrified of an animal or an experience only curious or surprised in late september he was in a small camp by a lake in the high uinta mountains hunting both grouse and mule deer with muzzleloader i don't think he was hunting the grouse with muzzleloader i'm gonna be wrong <laughs> i know honest. explode i just had that image in my head <laughs> the camp was a small collection of men and women and my grand uh, my grandfather who'd worked with over the years supervisors other biologists co's People he grew up with. One of the women, a new wife to one of the guys, had shot a, a buck deer, injuring it but not killing it immediately, and they had lost the track of it. Devastated by the thought of wasting the animal, she returned to camp in the afternoon, upset and concerned that the deer had run into a more secluded area of the mountains, which was hard to reach from the trail she had been that she had shot it from. It was a place my grandfather was very familiar with because it's such a pain to get to. With lots of deadfalls and steep terrain, we volunteered to go in that late afternoon and search for the deer. Following the, the scent blood trail and had tracked it for a while, getting fatigued and intimidated by the terrain. Both, uh, because both my grandfather and I were in good shape. He was so familiar, it didn't take him much. He didn't think it was that big a deal. Before we left, she mentioned hearing what she assumed were coyotes. Which made her, which made her even more concerned that the deer had died and it would be ruined the meat and the hide before she could harvest it. We took off in the early evening, expecting to be back within an hour or two after searching and having our guns with us, in case we found the animal still alive and came across another buck worth trying to harvest. It was a steep place with lots and lots of deadfalls and vast heights, making the hike slower and more tedious than we had hoped, making us understand the other hunters' fatigue. She had marked the blood trail with a bright orange piece on the tree, and we found maybe 20 minutes after we got there looking for it. The sun was getting close to setting at this point, and we knew getting out would just be as long as getting in. We decided to stop where we were, found a spot near a fallen tree to look that looked like it was recently bedded down in, followed a spurting of fairly fresh blood, and continued on for longer. 
When the sun had just was about to set, the light had faded from the tree. We removed the firing caps from our guns to make it now completely safe. Uh, so it's not, it's, and it's also illegal and irresponsible to hunt in such de- yeah, such descending light. My grandfather pulled out his large mag light uh, flashlight of his backpack and his headlamp and began to hike. Our sheep passed to find the trailhead. About 10 minutes on our way back, we started to hear more movement along the trees. It was normal for animals to start moving when the sun goes down. The animals are likely starting to head towards clearings and water to graze and drink. It is safe, uh, safer in the low light. A small and distant sound of crunching leaves, puttering hoofs of animals, small bits of movement in the trees from squirrels and birds was common. We did not expect a deafening, disturbing sound we heard next, which vaguely resembled that of a coyote howl, but had a few sounds of intelligible, frightening, and human-like sounds mixed in. It started with what sounded like a person screaming, but then got louder and more intense with a screech to it. So unlike any coyote or any other animal we ever heard, there was almost chittering that was between that of a snicker, and there was also movement in the trees coming that were almost calculated, almost threatening. We stopped dead in our tracks, froze as my grandfather started using the light to look around. I was far more freaked out than him at this point. He just seemed perplexed, curious, and a little baffled by what could be making these sounds. It sounded so human, but there was no words, no uh, urge of tone, of help, or I'm trying to scream to mess with you. We continued on after the uh, mostly had stopped, and it seemed like the other natural and distant sounds had all gone silent. I listened intensely to the sound of my boots crunching on the dry leaves, trying to tell myself that it was some kind of weird coyote with a horrible, deformed larynx or something. Maybe 20 minutes later, or maybe 20 minutes from the main trail that would lead us back to the truck, we heard the chittering sound again, with the sounds of thumping against dead trees, looking around with our lights. And between the deadfalls, about 15, 20 feet from us was a large human-like thing. At this point, it sounds like Bigfoot, right? Yeah. Ish, yeah. It was almost hunched down with long, slender arms around the front of it, standing of a standing aspen. The aspen, of course, was pale white, with knots being, you know, dark brown, and whatever the skin was, almost as pale. I caught a very brief glimpse of its face. It seemed round, and the eyes seemed so sunken in. I could not tell the eye color, but the flesh around it was reflective of the eyes from the light. That its face seemed so sunken in. And just devilish. I didn't see any fur or hair. I never felt like it looked right at us. More, It was more staring at my grandpa and just in our direction from confusion and curiosity, like he was there before with the sound. For a mere couple of seconds, I caught a glimpse of it, but that was it. It looked down at the ground, holding my eyes shut, trying to fight and not imagine, or trying to imagine being safe and secure in the truck. My grandfather took a few stumbling steps backwards towards me. I heard the thing go off to the side, moving quickly and with purpose to the trees, side to side, and dropping down behind us, I would assume according to the sound. But I hoped it went in the opposite direction. My grandfather turned, and we were start where it was and had veered off as we followed it. <laughs> Why? But he soon stopped and looked at me, and I had never before and never seen, since seen him so confused, baffled, horrified, curious, and in awe. I was crying at this point, ugly crying, trying to muffle my shaken breath in my voice. I asked him, what was that? Over and over I asked. There was no answer. He pulled his gun to his shoulder, put the firing cap back in, 
of the igniter so they make the gun live and carry it in front of his arm. He pulled out the headlight to put on himself. We started walking in towards the trail as he listened off like it was con- like it was talking to himself, as if he was talking to himself, as to if it wasn't the thing. Couldn't have had it been a deer or a moose. It had arms. It was hunched over. It stood upright. A bear? No, a very sick bear. So he's just talking to himself. Right, you know. going through all the options. We heard a sound, the scream human howled distance once more before reaching the truck, or reaching the trail, which was dirt and gravel and fairly flat with no deadfalls. We practically... We practically jogged back to the truck, locked the doors immediately. It started sobbing. My grandfather turned on the music as loud as possible, trying <laughs> to distract me on the way back to camp. Probably turn on some journey. I was a mess when we arrived back to camp. But yeah, basically, uh, his grandpa just kept telling everybody it had to be some kind of re- really sick animal. And it really disturbed his grandpa. So I, it doesn't completely scream Bigfoot to me, but it, there's some markers of, yeah, Bigfoot, but... It could be anything from Bigfoot to like a skinwalker to a, a Dover demon type thing. I mean, I don't know. It could be any of that stuff. Yeah. All right. So I got two more entities for you, and then we'll wrap up the episode. Okay. You, how about a dragon? Dragon? You want a dragon? Oh, Naga? <laughs> Flying reptiles seeing you enter basin. Something unexpected in scale apparently flew in the skies over Utah in the late 1800s. In the, and in the addition of the 1894 Ogin Standard Examiner, which is in the Uenta Basin, a reputable man saw what described as a hundred-foot-long serpent flying over the town of Eden. The creature swooped down over the town by a park. And the men believed the creature was flying between 30 and, uh, 35 and 40 miles per hour. The monster soon disappeared well into the mountains. Although the residents of Eden never saw the flying reptile again, a number of people camping on the Strawberry Islands on the Great Salt Lakes witnessed the creature they described as a combination of fish, alligator, and bat, according to the September 1903 edition of the Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania Press. Witnesses also claimed the monster was at least 55 feet long, some swearing it was at least 65 feet long. The head was shaped like that of an alligator with long, saw-edged teeth with a gaping snout. The rest of the monster was covered in fine scales. The creature, the creature flew towards the group with enormous bat-like wings as it grew closer. It swung down over the crowd and grabbed a horse in its mouth and then shot back up into the air. They came across it in the nearby, then they came to rest in the nearby mountains from which the witnesses could hear it feeding on the horse. They fled the island in terror. Jeez. So the same kind of monster has been seen twice out there in the area. That's interesting. Uh, definitely when we talked about our dragons episode, we talked about these type of entities, the big long snakes with wings. Yeah. Uh, Fish, in, alligator. In bat. Iowa, they had seen them. Hmm. Not very far away. No. Huh. I wonder if, yeah, I don't know. It very much reminds me of the dragons in uh, the new Zelda games. I haven't played them. Never played them. Hmm. Just flying in the sky. Sound very similar to this. They, so, they eat horses. No, they don't do that. But like this thing, it carried off a horse. Yeah, that's Very pretty big. Jean jacket esque. Yeah, he and liked you can horses. Hear it. Yeah. Oh yeah, actually, it's straight from the movie. Yeah, he liked horses. Hmm. Soft disclosure, perhaps. Yes. Yes, it is. All right. So I have one more for you. All right. This wouldn't be a cryptids of the corn season finale, 
without an organic UFO. <sighs> Finally. A full-fledged organic UFO. All right. The U.N. Basin has had several. The giant flying manta ray of Provo, Utah. Aha. At about 11 years ago, a woman shared an interesting story with me, and it's the author, uh, Danny Stewart. Late on June the night, she was walking along the University Avenue. It was late around 10 p.m. to 300 south when she saw what she describes as a gigantic black manta ray flying across the Provo sky. Hmm. Interesting. Black. Like, normally they're translucent. Yeah. So this is different. Okay. The thing was 400 feet in the air, coming from the southeasterly direction, flying to uh, northwest, the- going to the Uinta Basin. Because hmm. Provo is right on the edge of the Uinta Basin. It's flying right into the Uinta. Hmm. Uh, yeah. It had a 14-foot wingspan, and its body and tail was probably 25 feet long. It flew directly over the Pro, uh, the Provo City uh, Tabernacle, or you know, now a temple, eventually disappearing into the night sky. I didn't put much credence into the sighting, but I decided to share with uh, on the ghost tour anyway. The original Provo, Utah ghost tour, by it's by the author of this. So he does the ghost tour locally, and a lady basically shared this with him. Okay. It was a, you know, sorry, I was at a lark. Plus, there were some stories of strange flying beings found all over the world, but rarely in Utah at one-time event, so I thought. But again, in 2013, another woman presented me with an almost identical story. She saw something of June of 2011 that was the same size, shape, and it was flying in the same trajectory heading mm. towards the, Utah, uh, the Uinta Basin, and even appeared the same time as the other one. Years passed, local ghost and beastie stories were told, and I began to grow tired of telling the manta ray story. I was about to retire from our ghost tour completely. But then in September 2018, I was standing in front of the Provo Temple, giving one of my tours, uh, actually talking about said beastie, when one of the attendees began to look up and bewildered, almost terrified or worried. My girlfriend and assistant Tara approached him and said, uh, her, I see it. Just recently, this year, I saw it. He says something much like a manta ray-like thing climbing on the side of the old tower in the Utah Valley Regional Medical Center. I'm perplexed and they're embashed on this, and Tara told me to relay it to her. It was big and black in color, climbing on the side of the building, almost like a bat would climb the side of a barn. It climbed to the top of the tower, leaped off, and flew into the night sky in the northwest. I've had tried to get more information from this gentleman, but he was reluctant to share his any encounter any further. Funnily enough, another person came forward a month later with another sighting of flying manta rays. Although the sighting was not in re, you know not relation to the Provo Beastie, again I gave the tour, talking about the ray, and saw a young man whisper in amazement to his girlfriend. I approached him, and he was talking about the next ghostly location, and he told me that he had something he's seen something exactly like I described. And he was sun surfing in California. He said it was huge. It was soaring and oh, just over the clouds. And there was overcast. I watched it for over 15 minutes and it would appear and disappear within the cloud cover until it flew off out of sight. He had never told me anything or to, had never told anyone about this because he was afraid that people would make fun of him. He has also nothing to do or nothing to base that on what he had seen. Hmm. So there you go. So I have a couple thoughts on that one. I think that could be 
a Thunderbird type entity or like a bat squatch giant bat type uh being rather than being the typical manta ray we talk about i don't think it's that i think okay remember way back uh i think it is the manta ray okay so do you remember when we talked about the manta rays eating dogs the small manta ray man-sized ones eating dogs in chile and up the yeah all the way up the The west coast Coast. yeah the pterosaur type no, they weren't. They were small, like oh, pe- the small, yeah, yeah. The, and they yeah. were highly aggressive. Yes, those ones. You think it's one of these and types? As I, what we talked about with sauropods, the giant sauropods, they were probably carnivores, where they were little or partial carnivores, right, right? And then getting bigger and bigger, and they were the little guys were black and blue. Oh, okay. I That's don't right. think they get translucent till they're adults. What I think is happening is they're migrating from the west coast out to the mountains. To get on the vents to go up. Uh, Provo is right in the path of their migration to get to the mountains to go up when they're finally getting big enough to go back up and deal with the upper atmospheric conditions. Huh. That's what I think is happening. So that's why they're they're black. They're not full-sized. We talked about some of the ones on the East Coast, the smaller guys being seen, right, and they yeah. weren't translucent either. So I don't think they don't I don't think they get fully translucent until they're big. Until they're big semi-trucks. Yeah. Because then they don't care anymore. I think they're, they're camouflaged because their camouflage are down here. Yeah. Like a like a pike having a white belly, but a dark go. top. There you go. It's just like a fish. I get it. So, I think that's what's happening. I think our man eater from the east coast, the aggressive ones, as they grow and grow, west and gro- coast, west coast, sorry, yes. west coast from the west coast, grow and grow and grow, they start making their way further out into the desert, to the mountains, to the mountains, and the original big guy, the flying quote unquote reptile, may have been an adult. Of some other species, a predator preying upon the area where the juveniles go uh, up to the mountains, like a bear waiting on salmon, something like that. Yeah, I really think so. I I got really excited because I c- could work in some organic UFO stuff. Yeah, but I, so I want to reiterate one more time: they're coming. They live on the west coast. I don't even remember what year we did that. I remember talking about it. The though. babies are highly aggressive because we right. talked about the man-eating manta rays, and they were all, like they were all up the Peru Peruvian coast, everywhere like, yeah. from the west coast, from South America to, the, to you know, California. Right? Yeah. And they were high, they were eating a bunch of dogs and deer yeah. and stuff. Man, very aggressive. And then I think these are like fourteen foot wide, so they're a little bigger because those guys are like six foot wide. Right. So they're a little bigger, and they start making their way out into the desert, and they're at this. So I think their skin's a lot tougher at this, like because even the little guys. Would land on the ground and yeah. crawl, but they didn't have arms or anything like that. They would kind of crawl like a stingray you see working the bottom with its fins. Okay. So I think that's what's happening, and they're resting, and they're getting ready to go up into the big one, and these big giant dragon snakes are basically hanging out. And when we talk about sky snakes, yeah. are what we think are apex predators. Like sharks. Yeah. Yeah. So that would make sense if this is the path that these juveniles take to go up and get it back up into the upper atmosphere. Then there would be a big predator kind of hanging around the area every once right, in a while. Yeah, I don't know. I thought it was cool. What do you think? I think it's a good theory. It's a good idea. Uh, I do. I lied. I have two more things to talk about for this episode, oh, but they're shorter. Okay. Uh, crop circles. I just mentioned it, uh, just because people say there's crop circles out there. The yeah. Sherman's Ranch, in my opinion, we talked off air, aren't crop circles, even though they were indentations in the dirt with a slight pulling out of sediment. They were landing gear marks, which I guess some people count as crop circles. Some people don't in the community of like researching crop circles. Yeah, it just depends where you fall on it. I don't think they are personally. 
I think crop circles are their own phenomena. That's like landing gear, whether it's like government landing gear right. or whatever. That's you know, a whole different question. But it's definitely, to me, like some kind of landing gear for something. Something, something stopped there. Yeah. The other weird thing is the cancer rate. Oh, yeah. We didn't really touch on that. I have that. So we talked about skinwalkers. The presence of skinwalkers cause horrible diseases. Yeah. It's just kind of like a byproduct of their existence. So one thing I heard mentioned before was uh, there's a super high cancer rate in the Uinta, the Uinta Basin. Okay. And it was definitely – it's the rest of the U.S. has caught up a little bit more now. Uh, 15 years ago, it was a much bigger spread. It's still a pretty big spread. But it was much bigger about 15 years ago when that first kind of started getting reported. Okay. Um, so the cancer rate, the average cancer rate in the U.S. right now is 442 people per 100,000. Obviously, there's variations in that side, that number. If you look right. at men versus women, if you look at certain races versus other races, uh, and it's Ages definitely and- skewed more towards low income than it is high income. Generally dealing with jobs, dealing with chemicals. Yeah. So just saying that's the average. If you make everything neutral, your rough average is like 442. Okay. Okay. Um, so I want to talk about some of the counties in Uinta Basin. So Wastash County, which is on the edge of the basin, is at 400. So below average. Okay. Uh, Sorry. Emory County, which is on the edge of the basin, is right at average one person over, 443. Uh, Dutchess County, which is one of the center counties, is at 450, so we're raised. A little over, yeah. Carbon and Grand County, which are another part of the Uinta, they start jumping. We have 500 and 535. Cavern, or sorry, Washington County is 560, and Daggett County is almost 700. That's, yeah, a significant jump. Uh, it's almost a 70, or sorry, it's almost a 35% raise. Yeah, that's a lot. That's 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 a lot. And yeah, so there's a lot. I just had to throw that in there, especially because the skinwalker's connected to just horrible diseases. Yeah. Cancer, if anybody's experienced cancer, we talked about, you know, my mom went through, both mom and grandpa went through very different cancers that are extremely hard. Yeah. Uh, cancer's a, hor- a horrific disease. It is. I agree. Uh, so it's just, I don't know. It's just something weird. This weird, I don't know what to do with this piece of information, but it was something somebody else had said and uh-huh. I finally found some research, but they were talking about it. It used to be the whole basin was much more skewed Yeah. towards that. My, what I think happened is everybody that had cancer 15 years ago died. Yeah. They so the didn't. number went down Yeah. because they all died waiting for the next batch to happen. Uh, yeah, exactly. Jeez. It's so bad. I, I, I almost think maybe it's a byproduct of like, uh, I don't know what causes cancer. I don't know, but it's some imbalance I think in your body, or some chemical, or whatever we're eating, but causing some sort of free radical something, something just to throw off the balance in your body. So we know what cancer is. We just don't know what causes. Yeah, we know what some causes are and such. Like, uh, you know, it's it's cells not being able to fully divide. Uh, blood and bone cancer are some of the worst. Uh, because they spread to your body so fast. Oh yeah. Because if people don't, maybe not know, your blood is made inside your bones. Inside your bones, yeah, from the marrow. Yeah. So bone cancer. That was Grandpa's final cancer. Was bone uh, cancer? That's why he just Phew. he went so fast the last time. Yeah. He battled cancer three times. Right. One, two, or three. The last one he was done. 
just yeah he was tired he didn't want any more radiation yeah because uh, yeah. and we just went ice fishing the day before he passed yeah but before he went to the hospital but yeah yeah it's just cancer's a nasty thing oh yeah it is uh there i i don't i'm not a medical guy there is some people that say that stuff like ivermectin can trigger that like can help get rid of it oh gotcha i don't know i'm not ever we're not medical advice people in my head though why it would kind of make sense is that all that kind of drug does is turn your immune system up to 11. Right, yeah, and target It looks those. for things that aren't supposed to be there. Like, for example, tapeworms inside yeah. your body, if they cast or they crystallize, inside, not crystallize, if they basically make a little cocoon somewhere inside your body, they kind of mimic the natural surroundings. Mm. So your immune system never finds them. Right. When you do the ivermectin, it turns up to 11. They look at everything a little harder, then they find them and get rid of them. Right. Just, purge. It's a purging yeah. of process. I don't know, but I just thought it was interesting. It is whether yeah. it's the government's fault, like the U.S. government. Probably. Is, we'll we'll talk about next the last episode. Yeah, because uh, they definitely were out there a lot, but they did a really good job of not talking about it. Oh yeah. Uh, or if it's the skinwalkers, and this is the byproduct of having a lot of skinwalkers in the around, area, right? And which for being that kind of dark magic, as far as the Navajo would kind of t- talk about, even in their legends, they say they. Or like pest, they are bringers of like pestilence, right? Which is cancer is mm-hmm. that, yes. So that would also track. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Oh, cancer is dark magic. That's my thoughts. There you go. Uh, so there'll be the next episode. We have two amazing guys on. Yeah. So stay tuned for the special guests. They have been out. They went to Basin. They did the Shape of Shadows documentary. We have Joel Thomas and. The famous Tony Merkel coming on the show. Good friends of the show. Amazing guys. Uh, we have a fun conversation about the Uinta Basin and some of the stuff they'd seen. Then the final episode will be kind of our thoughts and what's happening out here. All right, guys. Bye. Bye. Oh, oh. Maybe. Messed Thank up. you for listening Maybe to Crips of the Corn podcast. Please share with a friend you think would like us. It's the best way to help our show grow. Leave a comment, rate us, a five-star review. And remember, there is always extra content on Patreon slash CryptoTheCorn.com. And don't forget, stay magical.